and welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast brought to you by the Adventure Archive. My name is Ryan. And I'm a cosmic horror from beyond your fragile mortal understanding. And with us today, we have a couple of special guests here. We got Goblin Archives and Josh Demansky. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Hello, hello. Welcome, well. welcome. <laughs> um, so uh, for for those that might not know who you are and maybe listening and not see the, like the flashing logos next to me, um, what uh, what might people know you guys for? Okay, so um, outside of the stuff I did for Little Horror, um, which we'll touch on that in a second, um, mostly I do a lot of like bits and bobs here, little small adventures. Uh, I like to call myself an award-winning adventure writer because it's technically true, but that's very minor. <laughs> um, I did a couple <laughs> of uh, one-page dungeons for the one-page dungeon contest that uh, got the Winter Circle Awards the last two years. Uh, and I wrote a two-page dungeon for My Body is a Cage by John Battle, which won like a indie game design award, I think it was. I don't remember that off the top of my head. Um, outside of that, I did a little bit with uh, Fallen for Perplexing Ruins, um, a pamphlet adventure, and I wrote some of the Hillgrob supplement. And I, I say I did a little consult consultation on it, but I don't think that's credited. Uh, and uh, what else? Oh, um... Folks also might know me for my work with the Afterthought Committee, uh, primarily designing and writing uh, level zero funnels for old school essentials. Oh, shit, it's right there. Yeah, <laughs> tangled in Zen two knots. And then I, I co-wrote and designed the Bureau for Liminal Horror. Oh, can't see that. There you go. <laughs> nice. And, nice. Uh, and and GA, I think you I think you might have a little something that we we might talk about a little bit. What uh what might what might people know you for? Yeah, so people mostly know me for writing Liminal Horror, which was a hack. It started as a hack for Karen, which descends from Into the Odd. Um, and then from there, I wrote The Mall, which is a what if the thing were set in a 1990s mall. Um, and then Josh and I wrote The Bureau together, and we're about to write The Bloom together. Um, well, not about to. We're, we're, we're deep in it. We're about to Zemo the uh, itch fund it. Um, and yeah, so I just do a lot to try to support the community around building uh, Liminal Horror stuff. I think it's fun to see people make stuff for modern horror. It's not as big of a, um, there's not as many adventures in like the OSRE kind of scene for that. And I felt like there was definitely a need and we're trying to fill that need. And it's yeah, funny because it makes so much that. sense because like so much of OSR is like, you're going to die. Like your character has a very high likelihood <laughs> of dying. This is kind of terrifying, right? You go into combat, like you might not live. So like the realm of like horror, the unfathomable really is not that far away, you know? Right. And so like, if that's super cool and it fits really well with like a tabletop session. Um, and then what we found, I know that on the book, it says it's sort of cosmic horror, but as Josh and I have been like working on it so much over this past year, because um, it's about a year since we started co-writing together and really <laughs> digging really deep into like what could this system be, we realize it's super adaptable to all these different subgenres. So that way, um, you can make it be whatever flavor of uh, horror that you want at your table. Um, and then it's always fun to see your characters change and get maimed and just become weirder and weirder. And then at the end of the session, you know, you laugh at like who survived and who didn't and who made the good choice and who made the bad choice. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah, that I mean, seems awesome. I, I think you guys said that um, uh, 
you just said that there's not a lot for it and i really feel like you're changing that you know before stream you know and i think Hunter and i've talked about it before i feel like every year especially around like zemo with a lot of projects there's themes to that year's stuff and last year felt like space i think we even call it like the summer of space and then threw like cyberpunk in there too um but this year feels like horror and i feel like liminal horror is kind of the reason for that like there's a big push and a lot of people are um creating things for it you know i Part of it, I think, is just because it's such an easy system to write for as well. You know, like, uh, you know, we're big into the odd fans on our way more than me, but it's still really, really enjoyable. Um, and uh, I think one of the things you just said also helps is that it's it's such a light rule system. You can really do anything you want with it. Horror, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's what's been super fun is that it's not bound to one, like, sort of set of themes and then as josh and i we wrote i published the mall and then we wrote the bureau and they both dropped at the same time for the exalted funeral fest funeral camp this summer and then we talked about what we wanted to do next and so we helped project manage a kickstarter for three pamphlets by zach hazard matthew morse and evelyn moreau and so that's about to actually fulfill this month um and we did that and we led that right into a jam that just i was like it's gonna be i call dibs on halloween jam and then it turned into it's still going because people are still making stuff for it nice awesome and last i checked there were uh, 67 i think entries uh -huh. for the tales from the void jam um, and a few people still working on theirs i know um christian sorrell of me castle has just printed their liminal horror one i don't think it's in stories yet but it's light. coming soon yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> which it's if sick. that hits that'll be the first third party thing to print and so we're excited to nice. see a bunch of... congratulations that's awesome yeah and so there's a bunch of things about to just come and that our goal is has been around to like how could we support and grow this um which is you know you've i've seen it pop up a bunch especially when the ogl stuff was coming out but then prior to that sean mccoy of mothership he's talked a lot about how people should really support their systems or support a system and help it grow instead of like doing a system moving on doing a system moving on and that just didn't seem fun to me i chose a system i knew worked into the odd worked. i really didn't change too much uh, i wasn't as interested in like writing a ton of new mechanics and i i do that with supplements too and i can tweak stuff a little like appendices but what's fun is to see people make stuff and play and then get excited for it yeah it's it's come up a bunch and um you know we had a couple of creators like spencer campbell adam bass when they come on they they started saying the same thing we've made a bunch of games but now it's time to like go back and really start to make more adventures for it do jams do exactly what you guys are doing i know disaster torum has been on twitter talking about like hey systems are great but how about if you make one and want it to be successful kind of do what mothership did like sean mccoy did and the, the support that they give to their community and the way that their discord really helps each other and kind of also self-moderates everything has made mothership freaking like what like a freaking million dollar kickstarter or something like that so i think you guys hitting it right from the beginning doing exactly like you said driving some zines going into jams giving people resources i mean the whole game is free on your website right yeah, no. So the whole core zine is free. Um, I wanted to put that up because I did not want a barrier for entry. I don't think if you can't afford it, I would rather someone play my game than give me money. <laughs> it's nice to nice. get money, but I would much rather see people come to the table. I'm also was the GM that had to like know all the rules myself. 
Um, and I was usually the only person who ever bought a book. Um, but it's really nice for people to be able to reference it really easy. And so having it so you can pull it up on your phone um, is nice. Like we, uh, Josh just ran a thing for uh, this weekend or last weekend with a bunch of different Portland game designers. And he was running some um elemental horror thing and i i've given away all my copies so i only had my phone and i was pulling the rules up on my phone (laughs) (laughs) but the whole goal is like i want access i want people to be able to do it i want people to be able to make stuff for it like josh can speak a little more to it because josh is much more active on it but we have a little channel on the lost bay discord um and people are regularly posting stuff and we'll we'll give and josh gives like a ton of like dev like free dev work really (laughs) yeah that's sort of the big thing where um so this past year you know about this time last year um we were sort of gearing up on a couple of different things you know goblin archives and i were writing the bureau together and that really came together and it was like three months you know outside of the initial pitch and you know the mall was also being worked on and i was doing uh, writing and design work for uh, tangled at the same time and so it was just this big like six months of crunch outside of like my day job too until july when they both released and it was like a sigh of relief and so from there the whole big turn was is like all right put all of this effort into making this damn thing let's help some other people out, you know, let's get get a little bit more community engagement, let's do what we can to have other people, you know, realize their their dreams or whatever, get their goals, get their own things printed, you know, so the jam one out, um, I've sort of opened it up, uh, anybody can contact me, get on the discord there, the Lost Bay, it's hosted by uh, Ico, uh, the podcast of the same name and the system of the same name. Um, we have a little channel there that's like the Liminal Horror Central. Um, so I'm on there pretty much every day answering what I can when it comes up. And if anybody wants to send me a draft or anything, as long as I've got the time, I'll I'll go through and I'll do basically a free round of dev editing, um, just high level stuff, what works, what doesn't work, at least from my opinion. Everybody's free to ignore it. And I think it's, man, I'm over a half dozen, maybe 10 things that I've I've helped out on in some regard. Even if it's just a few minutes to say, hey, this nice. looks good. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. I think like we've learned from like Merkborg and Mothership and other systems and even even Dungeons Dragons that like the community support and like the the material made by the greater community like lends itself to a better experience of the game and like a better experience for everybody. Um and more success with the game for y'all. Um so that's super cool. And I I remember starting out with people just taking a look at my stuff and like talking about it and giving, just like talking with me about it and how much that helped and helped me be like, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, and so anytime that we can offer that too, um, I'm always happy to do. Cause I, it's, it's fun to see people make things, um, you know, and then especially see people make things and then bring it to the table. Even if they're only, the only time it ever gets played is when they play test it. That to me is a huge success. Cause that oh means it, it came to the table. And table play to me is the number one most important thing. Also, horror like it's like it's such an interesting like underutilized tabletop genre that yeah. is so like individualized. Like how, what I find terrifying and horrifying may not match up completely with you. And if you're like a good enough storyteller, I could sit at a table and I could make it scary for you. Um, so like, so there's so many experiences to be had in that space. So, um. One question I had right off the bat, GA, you wrote Liminal Horror 
when did uh how did you and josh meet slash get together slash become kind of like <laughs> yeah uh, Co partners partners now, honestly or? partners yeah for sure partners get a whole like, story if we want to rant for a little bit yeah no i off. get to i could do the lead up to that um <laughs> but yeah now to the point where we, we're a partnership like we're co-writing this we're going to co-write co-design the deluxe edition which will be coming out um within the new year um, but Come i wrote it cross that question <laughs> off all right we can talk about that more that, yeah. that'll be fun to talk about but um i wrote oh oh is it not me oh. okay he wrote the suspense and there we go um so uh oh here we go all right um, so you wrote I, well i spent like one day um just writing a bunch of different taglines for like why don't i try remaking uh, uh teenage mutant ninja turtle palladium why don't i try doing this why don't i try doing this um and then i listened to yohai talk on the lost bay podcast and i was like oh shit i can do this myself it inspired the it inspired me and then i chose to do karen because i loved and i loved electric bashland and i knew it worked and then i sort of was like okay what would work really well and and looking at sort of the field of the types of systems i like and the types of genres modern horror was like a gaping void of like there's just nothing right there for like this kind of thing there's call of cthulhu there's that kind of stuff but that's not the kind of, i was like not wanting to do trad games i wanted to do that and especially um you know how that has sort of mired and sort of the bigotry and like the transphobia and that stuff and i really wanted to explicitly make liminal horror sort of stand against that kind of thing um and so i wrote it really fast i put it i taught myself how to do layout I put it out there. It got sort of well received. People liked it. I got it into um, into print, thanks to Jarrett Crater. And then, sort of that that winter, I started writing the mall. And then I got a little DM from Josh while I was waiting to get my meds. <laughs> oh yeah. So on on my end of things, um, I haven't been you know like playing tabletop rpgs for all that long considering the length of my life i think um i started getting into it in about 2016 and didn't like sit down at the table and play a game until about 2018 um so it's quite a few years now but uh you know that was you know my first rpg was not the dragon game but that was the first campaign uh immediately after that first game um but I was doing a lot of like, you know, trad stuff. And then the big shift happened when um, Tuesday Night Games and the Mothership community arranged, uh, what is it? Dissonant Whispers, the adventure anthology book. Um, and that is about 60 different two-page adventures. About a third of them are from Mothership. And that was when I was really starting to get into the OSR. And so that that book introduced me to Troika, to Electric Bastion Land, I think to Merkborg as well, because I'm pretty sure I was only, you know, messing with Mothership at that point. And so I just kind of spiraled down into that. But um, it also pairs up with, uh, I, I like to joke around about a thing, a game that changed my life, but um, Control from Remedy Entertainment came out in 2019. And the way I describe it is Control is as if somebody took like the game that I want specifically and <laughs> made it just for me. Um. So after Control comes out, 
I start messing around. I'm like, hey, I don't want to run D&D 5th edition anymore. I fucking hate <laughs> running this game. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It was just so time consuming because I, I built a custom campaign and all that stuff. And we played for, I think it was like six to eight months on that campaign. And it was, it was a blast. Don't get me wrong. But it was just so like time consuming. Um, so I was playing a bunch of other different stuff. And I started seeding this world for an eventual campaign that I would run um, using, I think we used a little bit of Monster of the Week uh, to set it up, but it really came into The Strange from Monty Cook Games. And uh, I mashed The Strange and Control together to create this, this I don't know, universe uh, to base it on uh, around, was it the Federal Bureau of Information Research and Defense, uh, or BIRD for short, which is sort of <laughs> like the proto- uh, what would become the bureau and so I, I ran a campaign using that uh it was kind of shitty um you know it was basically second time gm mistakes that i was you know running into that and then uh COVID happened <laughs> so my my um at home game the in-person game just disappeared um and so that that's kind of when i started getting into the osr and started writing that and then um it must have been the summer of 2021 I was working on this project that I called uh, Project Synchronicity for short. And the whole idea was is that was going to be an into the odd hack and a module um, basically being control, you know, being something off of that. And it just wasn't working. <laughs> you know, it was, it was, I wasn't going to be able to fit everything I wanted in the system and everything I wanted in the adventure into like, I think 60 pages is the max I could do for a zine. Uh, and then I ended up helping out with Zen Tunoth and sort of forgot it. But uh, that fall, um, Goblin Archives releases this conversion for an adventure called Let Us In by uh, Luca Rayek. I think I say his name. Uh, and I fucking love Luca's work. Uh, it's some of my favorite stuff in the industry. And so seeing, oh, there's this hack for this adventure. I don't want to use the little native system it has in the little booklet because it's like a simple like D6 resolution thing. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Into the Odd at this point. And so I was like, I'll run this for Limited Horror. And so it was like my Halloween game that year. And after that, I was like, oh, it's all starting to click now. So <laughs> I spent the rest of that late fall into winter writing the pitch document. And then, you know, like Goblin Archive said, you know, it was a simple, like, um, I think it was a Twitter DM or something like that. It was like, here's my pitch. I had basically written what would become the administration level at that point for a demo. And, you know, from there, it's history. <laughs> Yeah, no. So like I get this and I was just like, I don't have the time to do another module. I was in the middle of writing and doing layout and project managing them all. But then Josh, Josh's pitch, I was like, I can't not do this. <laughs> I was like, I sort of have to. Um, and then what I found was when we worked together, I really enjoyed having a co-writer. I really enjoyed where we sort of like talk to each other, sort of develop sort of the scope, and then we each take parts, and then we're editing, editing each other's parts, and like back and forth constantly being like, oh, look at this thing I just saw on Twitter. Oh, look at this thing I just watched. This should be here. <laughs> and just that constant like low-level feedback that you sometimes couldn't get from like posting online, but really this is directly like, what do you think about this? And getting an immediate response. Um, made the bureau something like we wrote that super quickly and I, it like flushed out really well we both divided we each took two levels um and then did all the other parts like concurrently together um 
and then we're able to really make something that's pretty unified that it helps that it gets weirder the the farther you go to me it's always goes down but technically the bureau goes up in the building <laughs> it's hard conceptually for me to figure out but um and so there was that and then it's just been it's just nice to have someone else to work on especially we both have day jobs that take a lot of time um, and so then having it so we can constantly be motivating each other, holding each other accountable, but just like have someone to bounce fun stuff off of, be like, I think this should be here. And then like taking that and running with it and then tossing it back to the person to finish up is just like made things that are to me better than what would have done just on my own, especially in the scope of time that it happens. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, Very cool. One thing that you said um, is something that kind of struck me with the Liminal Horror is, so Call of Cthulhu exists. It's a game. It's out there. Um, people play it, especially people in Japan. Um, but um, this felt, at least thematically to me, like a modern kind of Call of Cthulhu idea in that it felt like there aren't a lot of games where it's like, the old ones are literally right here, you know? Uh -huh. Was there any thought? I know you said that... Um, I mean, Call of Cthulhu, it's steeped in a lot of things that I prefer not to play, and it's one of the reasons I don't really play it a whole lot. Was there kind of a, a lean, like, you, I think you said specifically, like, you were leaning away from that idea. Was there any influence whatsoever besides, like, not being that? Well, I think, so I think what Call of Cthulhu proved is, like, this stuff and this themes and these content works at the table right like that's what it really shows right it shows that like DD does to fantasy what call of cthulhu shows can it modern works just as well um especially dealing with horror my big push away from it especially was with sanity um how yeah. turning horror into being a mental health thing and mental health stigma and your mind breaks and you get this disorder like to me always felt super icky and yeah, so like super weird not okay not no and so and then i guess so what directly came out of the only true thing that is different about liminal horror mechanically than karen is other than just like being modern and having guns versus having bows and arrows and swords is the fact that there's this stress system that is sort of like horror damage that instead of if this was if i was trying to make a call of cthulhu osr i would have had it be that then you get you get um your sanity gets broken and you get something instead what i leaned to that has ended up really working really well is fallout where if there's too much stress you become weird you become different you become more like the bad things um and those are all narrative and they're all meant to be like narrative hooks that you could technically run with and do a whole nother session on trying to explore like there's one that's a door that follows you that like you can't open yet right and like what happens when you do open the door what comes out of it you know one has a god growing in your stomach like it has all these weird <laughs> things that like push you to being weirder and weirder and sort of inadvertently made this theme that we ended up with where liminal being changed and pe things changing it's about how your characters are changed like afterwards if you ran multiple sessions like the people who come out the other end can't really hold a day job probably um because there's all kinds of weird stuff or like they, they can't ignore the weird stuff that happened but i'd rather have it be that than have it be their mind was broken and they developed another person that like that to me just isn't fun and just feels gross and offensive to the people i care about so 
that sort of was a how I pushed against. Funnily enough, you said Call of Cthulhu is huge in Japan. I actually translated. I didn't. I paid someone to translate it into Japanese. Um, and it's, you know, it sold pretty well. It paid for itself over there, but I haven't yet got over the next hurdle to get it uh, a wider audience. Because I was like, oh, this proves that there's people who want this kind of game there. Absolutely. Yeah, reading through uh, Liminal, which we all will after this, uh, if you're watching the podcast <laughs> or if you're watching the VOD. Um, yeah, that really did stand out to me. I actually have in my notes that the, the lean to Fallout um, as a narrative thing instead of mental illness and how cool the idea is. And I think a big thing that my friends who played Call of Cthulhu had an issue with was like over time, it's like your character just gets fucking worse in almost every way. And then you just retire it eventually. And it's not altogether super interesting but with this one like with with the horror it's like oh your character like yeah you you gain memories of a past life and then you get magically corrupted and there is like even if eventually your character is a absolute bizarro weirdo like there's a there's a level of growth and like oddity that you get to like experience and like watch this character's growth i thought that was really cool also i gotta call it josh um we've done like 60 something episodes and then all that time, you're the only person out of me to ever even reference Monty Cook games. Um, so <laughs> shout out. Thanks for being the other the other person. Yeah, um, I, uh, I'm technically part of the Monty Cook games asset team, which all that really means is <laughs> that I run games at cons for them. But that's that's their systems have a special place in my heart, even if same. I, write so a I lot cipher of system is a special place in my heart for sure. So <laughs> it's out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so one of the. Um, one of the things that, that you said that that Hunter said too, like that was, I mean, obviously, you know, when you read it and it really says, you know, basically it's it's an it's an into the odd hack, but you add stress and stress fallout, you switch, you jump straight to the stress and fallout section, and reading it, um, exactly what you said, and exactly what he said is what really struck out to me. Um, the the great thing about that is like I don't now like have like the shakes or something forever, or or like you said, some mental illness, but each of these fallouts are an adventure seat or adventure hook, like you said, with the door, that is such a good concept to use that any game designer should really think about using in game because like, you know, especially smaller OSR systems like this, there's an impetus on the DM in a different way than something like D&D. Like you don't need to prep as much, but you need to be like, I think the improv needs to be better. A lot of like the story stuff, You it, there's a real big impetus on you to kind of push directions, not push directions a little bit, but like, um, uh explain consequences a little bit more i think which can which can help the story direction and i think having these fallouts is a genius idea for story hooks and for adventure seeds that can go in crazy directions that you never thought of yeah and another thing that we've found so the ones in the books are great they're all almost all of them are call outs to like different like media i like which was really fun um but my big recommendation to people i have a whole document that sort of is like an adventure writing primer or like how to write things for liminal horror advice on like what to twist what to bend what to break because a lot of things can be removed and switched out to reinforce different sort of horror themes and one of the big easy things that i always recommend for someone writing their own if they're going to write it that's going to be a little bit longer is write your own fallout that, that ties with whatever the session is about, right? Whatever the monster is, whatever the horror is, write your own fallout to sort of like relate to that, to the, just get an extra layer of reinforcement. Um, and that's what we did with the Bureau. And then do your own character creation, custom character creation, choose your own backgrounds as 
Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think you froze. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so speaking of the bureau, real quick, until we get Jay back. Um, so the layout of their bureau is fucking perfect. By the way, like it actually looking like a manual. Like even like the blood spatters on the back. Uh, the like I think you like you said like it gets weirder as you go in. And you hit stuff that's like, well, first of all, I mean, the the, the font, you know, you pick, it looks like it's typed up like a government manual. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's like circled in red. Like someone actually wrote like notes in the margins. Like it looks like an, like an in-world thing that has been through the adventure itself. And that's just gorgeous to me. Who, oh, I think we lost you completely. Oh, there we go. Um, <laughs> who, um... Whose idea or was it, or do you do most of the layout generally for that? Yeah, so I I did the uh, actually hold on, is this gonna mess up the overlay? If yeah, but you know, yeah. <laughs> they can see us close enough. Where or, am uh, I? Where's Hunter? Yeah. Split in half. Fair enough. Um, um, so we'll just make sure uh, that uh, he has a link and can get back in when he gets a chance. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, for those in podcast world, real quick, just so you know, uh, we lost Jay for a second here in uh, here in the thing, so uh, we'll get him back here in just a moment. Uh, his computer froze. Apparently, he's restarting right now, so it'll be a minute. Okay. Um, in the meantime, uh, so I, yeah. did, I did the layout and design for uh, the bureau. Uh, we had uh, Zach Valpin come in to do uh, five pieces of art um, through that, and uh, <laughs> we were self-funding the bureau. We had a very limited budget as a result, um, so no no crowdfunding. Anything it was straight out of pocket. So we we had a very limited art budget, and we were like, let's focus on some really really high quality pieces of art to put in there and just do a few of them and so i I think it worked out well but um for the layout and design um there's a couple of things so first um you know i've talked about how control changed my life um it's the the best it's one of the best games i've ever played so i love it so much (laughs) Um, so the next thing was when mothership when I actually started paying attention to Mothership is when they launched the Gradient Descent uh, Kickstarter. I had, I had Mothership, I had the PDFs at that point, but and when I saw the Kickstarter go up, I'm like, oh, this is like the official people. I'm just going to back this because it's fun. And so uh, Gradient Descent comes out. And Gradient Descent is another one of those things where it's like, this was made for me. <laughs> it's, it's so fucking good. Um, but uh, Sean McCoy is one of the best uh, layout and design artists out there in the scene, like hands down. And yeah. so um, when I read Gradient Descent, it was like something clicked in my brain. It was like the first time I had really seen Diagram Dungeons. It's a mega dungeon at 60 pages. And it's just fucking cool. So I was like, you know, we talked about how the Bureau is controlling Gradient Descent beats each other. So that, that's sort of the basics, our basis to start with, how we do... Um, you know, each level gets about a spread or two spreads, depending on uh, how thorough we wanted to go into it. But um, so I wanted to do like the the um, diagram style maps for it because I don't really care about specific spaces. Liminal Horror doesn't really care about like, I have 35 feet of movement and my yeah. enemy can move 40. It's whatever. We do abstractions when it comes to like range and whatnot. Uh, if it reasonably makes sense, it makes sense. So we, we didn't need anything to be super specific. So I was like, all right, I like that style. Um, so on top of that, um, as a kid, uh, we had a bunch of my grandfather's World War II like field manuals. 
and there were all these like survival things that they gave to the the soldiers um to kind of like i don't even know what it was to be honest but to learn the basics maybe it was at boot camp i don't know but we had these laying around and i just had this like vivid imagery of these little manuals um just you know, when I was like five or six years old seeing them. So I came back, I started finding some of them online. And it's like the cover of the bureau is is intentionally designed to imitate those those manuals. Uh, and so that that sort of spurred the idea. I was like, okay, we want to do tight gradient descent style layout. I wanted to do the cover like uh, one of the old manuals. Let's just fucking go all in. You know, <laughs> um, this is in theory something that a new employee is handed okay here's the bureau here's a little introductory thing we go in and out of character throughout it because it didn't make sense to stay completely in character but um and then just kind of go a little bit funky um if i had all the time in the world i would have kept iterating on it but i think i i got close to what i was looking for you know beat up paper um bits that look like they're scanned in there red pen and stuff I, it was just fun to do and i think you know, it makes the book an artifact as well as something that you can use at the table. So it helps you establish the mood a little bit better, I, I think, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, totally. It super does. Um, and gee, so uh, we kind of got caught off there by technology. So what were you saying? <laughs> oh, so I was just saying, um, I was just talking about how my biggest recommendation to people is to do uh, custom character creation and custom fallouts, which we did for the bureau, which I did for the mall, which we're doing for uh, the bloom. Um, it just helps make it very, it makes the things that are complex about the system or that can be complex about the system serve whatever theme you're wanting it to. Um, Cause I'm like, if you're going to use pages like, yes, I love uh, the, the core rule book and it works great for at the table, but like if you're really aiming to have a reinforced theme of a module, having some of those things just give you like story hooks, give people like you only have like one or two lines about your character and it gives you something to hold on to and lean into as you go into play. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, they're great tools to use for that, exactly for what we we're saying, like the adventure seeds, all those kind of things. So it, being able to customize them for the table that you want because as hunter said in the beginning horror is completely subjective there's things that i don't find scary at all and there's weird dumb shit like the the astronauts coming over the hill in et that terrify me you know that um you know <laughs> that you can you can you know um uh, make specific to your table so um well a fantastic uh, oddly specific uh like not anymore but you. as a kid there were two things and it was the weird scene where the girl's like stabbing herself with the cross and the exorcist and then that scene of like the the astronauts like slow walking over the hill not astronauts but i mean they were in like this the suits to come find the get suits, yeah oh my god it just oh oh that destroyed me as a kid <laughs> um uh, one thing you said about the bureau though is is zach hazard um how did you guys get um zach hazard to come on and do so much of the art and it's kind of come like are they the semi-official artist for liminal horror at this point yeah so zach i um so I wrote into the odd, not into the, I didn't write into the odd. I wrote, nice. <laughs> I am Chris McDowell. Actually, that's yeah. who I am. That's my real name. No, I wrote, Liminal, I wrote Liminal Horror um, and I, it was just a PDF and I, I, I barely, I got the design layout stuff, but I'm, I, I hadn't ever done any sort of like visual graphic design. And I, Zach's stuff had just been popping up on my, um, on my 
one. I haven't really done any TTRPG stuffs yet. Um, and I, I brought it up like four times while sitting on the couch watching Real Housewives with my wife. And my wife was finally like, just reach out and get them to do some art for you. And I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> and so I messaged being like, hey, would you be interested in like TTRPG doing this kind of stuff? Um, and Zach did the cover for the first for Liminal Horror. Um, and at that point, when Zach gave me the sketches and showed me the cover, I was like, this is the aesthetic. This is it. This is the thing. Um, this is the thing that complements the system for me. Like it, like I have it framed on my wall right here. Like I, it, it just worked so well. And so from that point on, I sort of had that feeling and I really enjoyed like working with Zach. I was like, Zach is going to work on everything that I do. And so nice. I knew that Zach was going to do the cover for the mall. Um, yeah. At that point, and I, uh, sorry, I, I love the nod to the original cover that he put on, like the mall cover. So the original cover has like the the eyes and like the hands and stuff reaching, and in the mall, there's this like little section in the back that's got like the same kind of thing like coming out. It's so good. It's Zach. Zach is phenomenal and does things on like no one else is doing a thing like Zach does, um, and so I knew that. And by that time for the mall, I had started running gradient descent for Zach and Trevor Henderson and then um, Adam. And we had like a little Sunday group. And so I was able to run like the mall for Zach before Zach did the art for it, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then when Josh came on and was like, Hey, the bureau. And he's like, do you want to have Zach do it? I knew my answer was immediately a yes. <laughs> and so we had our pitch document. We had our art document for Zach and Zach, took the art document and delivered so well for the internal art for the bureau. Um, Zach's also doing some internal art for, uh, for the bloom. And then nice. will be like, I had mentioned earlier that the deluxe edition, and we'll be doing art throughout for that. So yes, it's sort of the official artist for like the official liminal horror stuff. So uh, deluxe edition. <laughs> yeah okay so deluxe edition i sort of always knew that I, getting so there was like that first step getting the first book in print in my hands running it for the table for the first time seeing it in my game store was a huge major moment that definitely made me teared up and i took a bunch of pictures with it hell yeah <laughs> i was like this is amazing i've made it mom i did it i did send pictures to my mom. <laughs> I, made it, mom. <laughs> I did send pictures to my mom and dad i was like look at me i'm in a bookstore um and then i you know figured out sort of like i feel like a, a hardcover i was like hardcover or box set um and then um uh vaults of arn came out and i don't know if you've all seen the deluxe edition of vaults of arn it is perfect <laughs> and i was like okay this is definitely a way to do uh how do you collect things while maintaining and honoring what came before and adding to it so the concept for the deluxe edition for uh liminal horror is new layout um uh, art throughout so not just like the really the, the the public domain art that i edited and put in myself which works well in the core zine but i also wanted it to be for anyone who has the zine that works for your table still so that the core rules aren't changing but i've been over this past year while I, after josh and i published 
the, the bureau in the mall, I've been writing these appendices, which are modular rules that you could add to your table. Flashbacks, uh, funnel rules, void crawl, um, vehicle, vehicle combat, just things that like add an extra layer if you want them, but are not necessary. So just like tools for your toolkit um, for a type of session. So if I were running a session for my for my table and you know we're deep in it and we've battled some monsters but i'm like okay i want to do a heist session now i'd have tools in the deluxe edition that could help me run that and that could be implemented just for a session and then taken away not needed um and then you know josh and i have an idea for uh some new starter adventures to go into it as well and so just oh, like yeah. <laughs> just like a thing a thing that uh, you know expand factions expand some more advice on doom clocks so keeping everything so it's compatible with the zine but make it something truly beautiful and hardcover and with art from zach throughout so that'll be coming um sooner rather than later right like it, timelines are the timelines are definitely weird with shipping and delivery but that is the next project we will start working on after we fulfill the bloom so um so the bloom bloom this is the thing that's coming it's it's been flashing <laughs> next to here this is we and you're you're choosing to itch fund this so uh the bloom as far as you know you know we got to i get to read the press kit and stuff it's a loose kind of um follow-up to the bureau is that is that correct so what can you tell us about the bloom yeah. right now um um and uh and when is it exactly starting to itch fund so the the bloom uh the basis of it like like you said it's the bureau um it's not it's not necessarily a direct follow-up, but there's a through line that kind of continues um, from the bureau. Uh, primarily, it's because you know when we the bureau that's controlled the tabletop RPG, uh, and I wanted to make Alan Wake the the tabletop RPG. Um, so, in the bureau, there are a couple of references to the Coldwater Lake incident. We don't really talk about what that is, and I don't think I ever will, at least officially. Um, so the incident is in the background. It's probably something the GM only knows whoever's picking up the module. Um, and it's not super critical. Like I said, we just sprinkled it throughout. So for the bloom, we're going to cold water. Um, now this isn't, like I said, I don't want to really say what the cold water lake incident is because it doesn't really matter in the end, um, outside of what's already said in the bureau. So we're going to go to cold water about a year after that incident. So something happened. It was a little weird. And this, so Coldwater is this small community, this sort of backwater community that we're, we're loosely saying is in Southern Washington state. But the idea is, is that you can plop and place it anywhere you want. And it's just, you know, a small insular community um, that suffered tragedy about a year ago. And nobody wants to talk about it in the town either, because um, most people don't really know what happened. And most people kind of don't want to shatter their image of the perfect little town. So you go to Coldwater about a year after that happens. Something else is happening there. It may or may not be related to the incident from a year beyond. Again, that's kind of up in the air um, and for the players and the GM to kind of figure out if they so choose. Um, but Coldwater is um, in trouble. You know, there's this event happening and I don't want to spoil too much of it. Um, but the idea is, is that you're going to this town. There's a bunch of NPCs there. The NPCs are kind of insufferable. 
and all this bad shit happens <laughs> over the course of about a week. And so you're investigating, you're there's a big inciting incident that kind of like what we think is the default to kind of spur on uh play. So you're investigating, you're running around to all these locations, and everything's just getting worse and worse over the course of about a week. And so you get to the point where you're kind of stuck in cold water with these people that you're probably gonna hate, and you have to decide, are we gonna save them or are we just gonna get the hell out of here? You know, is this too much? So <laughs> So, and you are members of the Bureau going to do that, right? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the oh. Bureau's bad. Fuck the Bureau. They're bad yeah. people. Okay. They're in this. <laughs> right. They're also bad. Um, gotcha. The Bureau definitely will, it, there is, there's some, maybe somewhere in the module, um, in, but the Bureau itself as a government organization is especially with like having lots of power is just not a good thing. And so your, your characters were in that town for different reasons. We have different backgrounds that are a lot of fun. One of my favorites is, is the, the, what is it? The golden years where you're retiring to <laughs> cold water and you're just settling down. Um, and you're just sort of thrown into it, which to me is always the most, my most favorite liminal horror things that I've ever run almost always involves someone being a store clerk so they have like <laughs> no impetus just to survive um but yeah so it's 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 fun as we sort of get trapped in this space get to explore a sort of sprawling outdoor landscape right where and so we have a bunch of different um locations in a way that you can explore the forest which is actually pretty hard to navigate um, which is a way that we are starting to that will be something that's in the deluxe edition too. Of uh, this, like procedure for how you explore those kind of spaces, um, and then modeling a lot, very heavily inspired by uh, Desert Moon of Karth, that mothership cool. module, um, and the way it lays out information in a town, and then like here's a page that has an NPC and a location and that. So like as a as a really great means of sort of doing data things while also having some found. Um, found images again doing this like book as artifact um which is pretty cool we've gotten some stuff back from josh clark who did orbital blues is doing the npcs and then zach is going to do some of the monsters and then josh is continually impressing with the level of uh, design that can do i just a map <laughs> is sitting right in my um discord right now for the map of cold water which is like fantastic Nice. Yeah, so like yeah. the bureau is, you know, a bureau agency thing that they hand out to employees in theory. So the bloom is going to be as if a conspiracy theorist was writing in their notebook and you find that notebook. Dope. And I have and a headcanon for who that is. <laughs> oh, no. So and maybe it's not all conspiracy theories. Is that what okay. uh, like clearly it's it's not? That's yeah, awesome. It's all, it's all true. It's, yeah. it's like, it's like, what if I, I've been using a tagline because there is some, yeah. Uh, but it is definitely everything. I live in the Pacific Northwest. So like sort of by default, everything has been being set here. Um, I actually have a giant map of the Pacific Northwest that has all of these modules and then a few of the third party modules plotted out and how they connect, which is pretty fun. 
Yeah. Uh, this is just a, this is just an aside thing though. But when, every every time I try to schedule these like interviews and stuff, it's uh, like I don't understand why ninety percent of the people live on the East Coast, but I'm I'm West Coast, I'm Pacific. <laughs> and as soon as I I was talking to Josh about um, setting up the interview, I was like, by the way, what's your time zone? And he was like, PST. I was like, oh my god, finally oh. we have one on the West Coast. Always I get asked for things and I'm like, oh man, what East Coast time? Yeah. And that makes it hard with a nine to five too. And like, oh yeah. man. So central. Yeah. I'm still in Texas. Yeah. You just Although get to be I'll the be, with uh, everything, buddy. Listen, hey, in like eight months, I'll also be in the Pacific Northwest. So, you know. Oh heck yeah. I love it <laughs> up here. I never left. And now I'm writing stuff about it. I'm writing about how hor- <laughs> I'm writing about how horrible it is. But don't <laughs> don't trust any of the writing. It's a great place. Oh no, yeah. I'm moving because I was inspired by Twilight. So yeah, Forks is a real place. Forks is a real place. Forks is a real place, and it might have a call out in the deluxe edition. So don't even worry about it. <laughs> I I am looking forward to it. So <clears throat> so um, uh, one last thing I wanted to ask about is um, is that into not is <laughs> is very interesting. I first of all, this has got to be one of my favorite covers of all time. The yeah, art is um, just fantastic. Because the first time I Andrew saw Walter. it, it took me like th- it took it took me like three times to be like, wait a minute. Like if you really look, I'm like, oh, that's 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 terrifying. Um was there any was there any through line from this to liminal horror in that like this is fucking terrifying? Like it's uh, it's alien spaceships, like sh- you know, shapeshifters stealing like apprentices and stuff. Like what yeah, so um, Zentune Alts is the, is the first zine I ever worked on, you know, and it's funny, you have a first edition print, though, because there's a texture on the front that we cut for the second edition because it was a pain in the ass. <laughs> so I can always tell which, who's got the original one. It's 400 copies of those exist. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, Zentune Alts was interesting. You know, like I said, I, I my bread and butter is pamphlets, one page dungeons, stuff like that, like little small things. And I wrote a adventure for a little system called Castaway that was originally released, you know, it's Riley Coyote. I think it's how you actually say their last name. I'm pretty sure I pronounce it wrong every time. Um, they wrote that for uh, Zine Quest a couple of years ago. Um, I thought it was a, a neat little system. There was a game jam. I wrote a pamphlet for it. Riley and I started chatting after that. Uh, and Riley kind of proposition this idea on twitter what if we brought a level zero funnel to old school centrals because you know it's dcc i don't think they technically created the funnel it's a little murky who's responsible for it but dcc is like the people who popularized it by any means and um ian Usum had done a funnel for mothership uh, and that sort of like unlocked my brain i was like oh this works and other things <laughs> so um Riley had thrown out the idea and I had just been running funnels. I was waiting for the drain to fulfill, I think, uh, at that point. Uh, and I was like, hey, this is a cool idea. And so we kind of linked up. I wrote a lot of the initial mechanics. Um, Riley did a lot of the initial draft of the adventure. And I came in and uh, I'd like to say I clarified it or at least made it better in that regard. Uh, Tangled was a little bit the other way around where I wrote most of the initial draft and Riley came in and made it way better. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, then we got Andrew Walter to do the art. Um, I don't think it's advertised, but uh, that 
those two funnels were funded by Exalted Funeral. Um, so we had a lot more like capital to throw around because they gave us a budget. <laughs> and so it's like we got Andrew Walter uh, to do the art for uh, Zen Two Knots and a couple of different artists to do art for Tangled. And it was one of those things where we had met with Jared Crater to talk about Zen Two Knots because Jared's a DCC fan. And I was just like, pie in the sky. I'd love to have Andrew Walter as the artist. And he's like, done, I'll call him. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, Jesus. And so, yeah. And and I think Andrew hand paints all of those two and it's just fucking phenomenal. <laughs> but um, the big thing though uh, is like, I don't actually play a lot of fantasy. <laughs> you know, I, I ran the dragon game. I've done a little bit here and there. I, I like like trophy, like that dark fantasy, dark forest fantasy stuff. That's that's like my shit. But like standard bog standard fantasy, no. So if I'm ever going to do something fantasy, it's going to be a weird like sci-fi twist or some environmental twist. So, you know, Zen 2 Nauts is alien invasion. They're coming to steal you and you got to fight through their spaceship. Uh, Tangled was, uh, there's a dungeon that has been overtaken by a growth of plant mass that's responding to some ecological thing that's happening. Uh, so it's not just a bog standard dungeon. There's something weird going on there. But uh, so I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm never going to write like, a standard fantasy thing you know whatever you want to call basic western fantasy uh there's always going to be some kind of twist if, if i'm doing that at all gotcha and but then, that, that sort I of mean, leads we'll, into liminal horror then from there liminal it's horror, kind of... the bureau the bloom coming <laughs> did we say when the bloom is actually coming and 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 i think it's being itch funded as opposed to like kickstart or something like that so yeah, when, when yeah. is the project actually coming up uh, so i was like josh let me do it today but we're waiting um february 1st <laughs> is when i'm doing it i got really impatient but we're gonna wait um <laughs> so we'll launch at the time for zine month i itch funded for the mall and i really enjoyed it i thought that the way it's sort of participating in dev me showing all of our work as we sort of like put things out as like here's here's part of the manuscript here's oh completed here's it back with the edits i thought that process was a lot of fun for people to see um, the framing for it is really what we are doing is recouping um, our investment cost in it and making it so we can, can get some bigger people, but it is happening regardless. Um, and that's been the great way to go into it. Um, also, we're, we are itch funding for the digital edition. There will be a print run eventually, but we're not getting mired in that with this. This is really like, help us make this in this timeline with these people and help us pay for it. Um, you know, it's it's 1200, which is high, but not, I think, unreasonable for the itch funding. And that would really help offset for us and help us really get some of this stuff um, going really quickly uh, for the bloom, which is turning out to be really cool. And I think something that is really going to scratch an itch. Uh, it's, it's so distinctly different than the mall and the bureau. And it's a nice way for all three of them to provide three very different play experiences. That's awesome. So, Very so cool. specifically, what you said was this is for the digital edition, mm -hmm. and you know, it's funding is cool because you you get the money regardless, so you can put that towards things. Is there gonna? Are you planning to itch fund like a print run later, or are you going to use like crowdfunder, Kickstarter, or potentially? Something no, else we for are that? just gonna. We're going to get it straight published. So that okay. that will right. just be people will just buy it. It'll be there. There will be no like to fulfill. We'll just we'll like let people know. Hey, it will be dropping at this time. Uh, and then that's when that will happen, which will be cool. Um, awesome. 
that way it's not all tied up in that. And when people are paying for this right now, they're seeing the product, they're seeing it grow, and then they get something at the very end. With itch funding too, I've put everything on the Goblin Archives store on sale. You can get all of the content for a good price. You can get, just get some of it. We'll even put, you can just store extra books to it. But really what it's doing is this is helping us pay our artists and our editors. Yeah, yeah so and where we're, is... we're hoping to uh, fulfill uh, Q2, I think, this year. Um, so okay. not not too far in the distant future. <laughs> well, I mean, especially when you're not, you know, running a print run, you know, without paper and distribution, all that kind of stuff, it makes it just a little bit easier to to just get the project done and put it in people's hands. So that's fantastic. Yeah, right. And we'll do the same thing where I then go over it and try to internally link, I'll internally link everything. I think that's really important for a digital product. I think everything <laughs> needs to be clickable and go. We, we never talk about that on, uh, on the weekly right. scroll. We don't have anything to say about hyperlinks or anything in digital products right. at all. Um, yeah, I've process. never heard anyone on this show make any comments uh, for or against that. Uh, no, uh, I, I claim it as my legacy in TTRPGs that I can point to at least four projects where people have messaged me and been like, hey, uh, because you bitched about this, I made sure it was super hyperlinked. And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, it's, you're welcome, everybody. I think everybody. it's important. I, I remember there are times early on, especially huge books, right? And I get it's harder when, like, not to name names, but I was trying to run Scum and Villainy and, like, trying to, or, or, uh, band of blades and trying to jump around that on a digital copy was a nightmare i love both of them i've ran so many fun adventures but trying to navigate that proved to me i was like i will never put a thing out that isn't clickable for every goddamn thing and have a page <laughs> number internally always yeah. so oh so good. i mean it's 2023 you know we're living in a digital world a lot of people don't like reading digitally but sometimes that's that's what we have, you know. That's what we have to use, you know. So, and PDFs are cheaper, you know. The it's the world is more expensive every day, so it's really nice to have that, and it's really great to have it be navigable. So, thank you so much for that. It's something I noticed in, in the rest of the stuff. So it's it's really good to see. Um, and then you know when we go through this, we won't have to bitch about that. So that's really really great. <laughs> so thank you. So where where is, you said it's all on going to be on your store? So what is the Goblin Archive store like? What what's the itch that the bloom is going to be on? Where where can we find all this stuff? Okay, so all of like the official stuff is sold on goblinarchives.itch.io. So that's the Liminal Horror Corzine, the Bureau of the Mall, and then the Bloom will be there as well. You can find a bunch of the different appendices there too, because I put them out into the jam. So you can sort of get a preview of like about the kinds of content that's going to be in the deluxe edition. Um, all three of those are currently in stock at Exalted Funeral right now too. So if you want physical copies, get them right there. Um, and the physical copies also come with PDFs from Exalted Funeral as well. Um, I also have a sub stack. All of it, if you go to the Goblin Archives page, I have everything linked there. But like there's a newsletter, there's a blog, and there's ways if you're like interested in liminal horror stuff from like a facilitator standpoint of like running it, those are fun to follow because I give insights into stuff and share what's coming. That's awesome. Um, and then Josh, are you primarily working on, I mean, you guys are like partners at this point. As far as, I know you do a lot of one-page dungeons and some other stuff too. Are you pretty much just zoned in on, on Liminal Horror right now? Or do you have a couple other things, like a couple other plates in there as well? Um, a little, a little B. 
Uh, there are, oh boy, two unannounced projects that I'm doing a little bit of work on. Uh, one, a full, like, thing. I think it's a pamphlet. Um, I got to check in on that. But the other is a unannounced adventure that I am uh, helping write as part of the Afterthought Committee again. Um, from there, I don't know, come hire me. <laughs> I don't actually have time <laughs> for things, but I never say no to a project, so... <laughs> Hey, listen, if I could actually get my game, you know, out the door, that would be fantastic. And I'll, I'll let you know if I ever do. But hey, listen, so February 1st, the Bloom's coming to itch and it's going to be on the Goblin Archives itch page that we just talked about, right? So yep. Goblin Archives itch page for the Bloom, super excited for this, like really excited to at some point, maybe get somebody to run this. I know Jason, um, who is uh, the primary GM on our on our on the Adventure Archive right now has run some Luminal Horror and really, really enjoyed it. So you know, maybe at some point with some new stuff, we can have you guys back on and maybe someone would like to uh, run it sometime, maybe? Heck yeah, you know what's really fun? Well, there's a bunch of really fun stuff. Metroscape Bloodbath by Logan Dean is oh, a, but yeah. a really fun one just to run. Um, laser tag and roller rink horror. <laughs> Can't really go wrong. Yeah, those are all, that's yeah. a hugely winning combination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I only say that because I read it and it was just so memorable. Yeah, and I know and, it's in uh, that yeah. fear bundle from Eco coming out, and as is the PDF or the it's just a PDF for Luminal Horror in that bundle too, right? Okay, so so I met with Eco. Um, Eco's like, hey, I want to do a fear bundle, and then I sort of got to uh, pitch who I thought should be in it. <laughs> um, so a lot of it is Liminal Horror, or and I'd say about half of it is explicitly Liminal Horror, and then the other half could easily be a liminal horror because it's just such an open system so josh has uh the vanished that they reworked into a large sort of a5 a a3 folded into a5 like a poster uh a, a poster adventure i put the um i made a mouse ridder style liminal horror inventory card system and so that'll be in it too so like you have character sheets and you can cut out the weapons and put them on your character sheets and stuff like that um there's going to be, like I said, Metroscape Bloodbath will be in there. Uh, it adapts to your breathing, which is a two-person one, which is sort of like an It follows you kind of thing by Pierre. Hmm. And then uh, what I'm excited for that I'm so excited is coming to print is called Liminal Colossus, which is like Liminal Horror after the Kaiju has won. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Shin Godzilla destroys my city. What do I do now if I was a Liminal Horror investigator? So a bunch of cool cool stuff that also drops, I think either tomorrow or February 1st. So I'll be putting out huge blasts for both the itch funding and that, because you won't want to miss it at all. No. Yeah. It's a pre-orders live on the 31st. So yeah, we'll actually um, bring up the page for that when we kick into the, the read through of Liminal Horror. But listen guys, it has been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Yeah. Thanks Um, for coming on. 100% 100% serious. Like, we should definitely touch base again. And, and if, if one of you guys wants to come on and run a little bit of Liminal Horror, we would absolutely say yes to that. So, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. I market myself as an actual play host now. So, <laughs> if you there need to just hit me up, I've got, I've got two hey. or three things in the, the pipes that I can do in a moment's notice. So, yeah, that's awesome. So, again, seriously, thank you guys so much. Super excited for Liminal Horror. Really glad that it's popping off. And I hope to see more throughout the year. I'm really excited for the Void Gym and for the, the, um, you know, Zach Evelyn, um, um, uh kickstarter to fund and get those so um those are so cool if you did not back the kickstarter you'll be able to get it right away too because they're digital pdfs you can print as pamphlets they are so good we've done that <laughs> we've done like dev, like we have a discord where we've been going back and forth on it each one is so uniquely um what a, we josh had the idea he's like we need to have what a little horror pamphlet could be and we chose these three people and they made it 
so amazingly like it's inspiring and made me want to start a pamphlet even though i don't have the time oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, so um so if you're listening uh check out all of that stuff check out the itch page check out the bloom coming um again we appreciate you guys coming on if you are in chat stick around we'll brb um and if you are listening on podcast uh, maybe we'll actually cut this episode this time uh, even though last time i said we were and we we're gonna do it but uh if you're listening to this now just check out next episode um and if not you guys have a wonderful day and we'll be back uh in just a moment And welcome to the Adventure Archive. This is the Weekly Scroll, and I today am apparently Hunter. Oh, and I'm Ryan. So perfect. I still yeah. didn't use my own name. So I'm an old god wearing small pants <laughs> or whatever. I'm an old um, god wearing the skin of a child. Uh, there we go. There we go. Oh wait, no. There we are. Look at us. That's really <laughs> us now. Hey, I'm um, off centered there. Uh... Yeah, I mean, this has not moved. Um, that means you have. But mm. we'll, we'll, we're going to jump to a different window anyway, so it's not a big deal. You're a little oh, okay. in real life anyway. Yeah. So this window. Um, you know what? Fuck this window. Yeah. Yep. This window can wear the skin of a child. So anyway, um, this, if you are listening in podcast land, um, is the episode that immediately uh, comes after our interview with Goblin Archives and Josh Demansky from Liminal Horror. Um great chat super excited for that game definitely want to have them on to to run that at some point um and now we're gonna read through liminal horror um and sooner than later we'll figure out a way to to uh to rate these like we do with some of the bigger games but uh not quite yet we'll uh, make a whole prior... episode uh, it'll be a whole thing it'll be fun so yeah yeah maybe yeah, maybe with some of the things we'll figure it out so um prior to that though if you did listen to the interview um right at the end we did talk about the fear bundle so i'm gonna actually pull that up just real quick we talked about it in depth before i'm just gonna show you the the intro page um and then we'll get right into the game review so let's go to that right now let's do it let's go do okay, it you're you're off center on this too so i think it's your camera no i'm centered look at my background yeah but you physically It's fine. I'll move you. I got you. I got you. For those in podcast land, um, I'm just gonna. I'm just moving Hunter around in the thingy. There you go. You're perfect. Um. So we are talking about the Fear Bundle brought to you by Eco. This is their second bundle. Um, and I've talked to them, and they're gonna do a couple of different. They're gonna try to do a different bundle every. Um, every couple of months so this is that one um and uh what i'm doing right now is just getting to a point where i can actually have it shown on stream we're getting um, there we're doing stuff we're, we're doing stuff friends um we're doing friends stuff we're doing besties friends. yeah because that's what we are we are besties look at us so uh, this is that, and this is what we're doing. So this is the free bundle brought to you by Eco. Uh, again, as I said, they're going to be uh, doing a bunch of different bundles throughout uh, every couple of months. Um, and uh, this one happens to be a uh, very liminal horror based. 
as uh, as um, GA was talking about. They got to have a lot of input into it. Um, and uh, as I said, this is the, the year of fear, I think, for a lot of these projects. And I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, this is not really my genre, but I'm really excited to... Um, kind of lean into something maybe a little different, maybe something that's I think not I'll, just I like, think this is where, I think I'm going to be moving more into like horror stuff coming up. Yeah. I think, I think I can, I can expand my like bullshit edgelord, um, um, you know, uh, Niss for maybe something like this. That should be a good time. So um, again, talking about that, now that I finally got it on the page, look at us stalling. This is a spread of the entire fear bundle on the page. Um, the page is actually at thelostbaystudio.com, which is where you can find um, not only all of this stuff, but you can find links to uh, the podcast Eco does, the Lost Bay podcast, which is fucking phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, Amazing. But the fear bundle has... Well, let's say 13 different 11 different supplements in it from a lot of different designers um liminal horror is in it there's a lot of stuff from liminal horror there are the cards here um that he was talking about that are mouse reader style inventory um the kaiju post kaiju world liminal horror adventure which sounds <laughs> fucking amazing um, <laughs> that's yeah. a, honestly, a pretty good idea <laughs> yeah cannot wait for that um the metroscape bloodbath um pamphlet <laughs> um from um from logan dean they have that already I'll have two. If you don't have it, I'll send you one. It's so fucking cool. Like, I really, um, at some point, I would love to have Logan Dean come on and talk to him about the company. So that would be really, really fantastic. Um, but overall, and even Eco has thrown some dungeons and stuff in here. So it's really cool. Uh, prepare to be scared in a fun way. This is the Fear Bundle. Pre-orders are available January 31st. Um, it's a collection of indie tabletop RPG supplements from some of the most creative indie RPG designers. Um, 11 supplements packaged in a beautiful black folder. A little bit different than the mm -hmm. silver uh, yeah. silver bundles. Um and this is actually in the cover of the the uh, bundle, the actual like the crying eyes with like, the fear bundle logo. It's it's really really um, fantastic. I'm excited to get that just as a as a physical thing. Um, the bundle modular structure allows you to build your own gaming experience and play for weeks, both group and solo games. Survive in a city ravaged by kaiju's. Run for your life in a zombie infested world. Fight your way out of corporate horror. Get their suburban nightmare and fight a much more horrific adventure. That's one of my favorite things about the bundles, and I, I talked to Eco about it a little bit. Is that the way that they want to design the bundles? Is exactly that concept. It's that um, it's not. It's designed in such a way that there are adventures to play and supplements to support the adventures to play in the game. So it's a whole right. the bundle as a whole is designed to work together. It's not just a disparate, you know, um, a bundle of of things that aren't really linked. So that's a, a really, really great idea. Um, and each bundle is going to be like that. So super excited for that. And I'm really curious what the next one's going to be. Did you say suburban horror? At one point, did I say? Yeah, did you? get through a suburban nightmare. Um, oh, that's uh, actually gen genuinely. I actually genuinely find that horrifying. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The suburbs are awful. Um, but uh, Breathless is is a great one too. It's a really, really great system as well. And I think the the first time Breathless is going to print, I think that's one of the suburban horror ones. I think it's got a very kind of like Last of Us vibe to it. Mm. Um, so really, really excited for that. Um, I do have Breathless in PDF, and it's it's a really interesting system, and there's a lot of um, 
it's one of those games that they dropped and immediately drop like here's also an srd make some stuff and a lot of people oh, nice. did so it's a really Love really that. cool one excited to get it in print for the first time so um this is going to be just a really fun interesting bundle um i mean so far eco did the um the emil boven bundle which was fucking gorgeous we, we right. unpackaged that last week um they did the um the the www winter wild wonderland uh, yeah. wicked wanderers winter bundle yes the merkboard bundle yeah we yeah, got yeah. it which had yeah the, yeah. <laughs> yeah the merkboard bundle sure. yeah uh it, it had a lot of really great stuff on it but again same thing like you know uh there's a lot of merkboard stuff out there a lot of stuff in it was fantastic and supplements to support it which is really cool so really excited yeah. for this really excited for the bundles that are coming um we'll be we'll be fucking talking about every single one of these first of all because eco is a friend of the show and just an awesome fucking person um and second yeah, because so these cool even if we didn't know eco and, and those things these are fucking awesome and the price point on these is fantastic i mean they're generally run like 40 to 50 dollars um so so uh for the amount of content you get and the quality of the content fantastic and even with the international shipping it's a great deal so um that's it that is the fear bundle it goes live um what's today tomorrow is it tomorrow what's i'm today? afraid the right 29th? now so in a way it's yeah. already live it goes live on tuesday so uh We'll probably talk about this a third time, but we'll see. So anyway, now um, we are going to kick into uh, the actual um, the actual thing we're talking about, which is liminal horror. So uh, this is this is very in your wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in what way? Just because it's into the uh, odd. Because <laughs> you're yeah, you are you are a you you are well marked by the odd. I am incredibly marked by the odd. I have my own marked by the odd fucking thing going on at my table, and yeah, it's because it's it's because it's the best system. It's because it's perfect. So um, I really enjoy it, and I completely understand why you enjoy it as much as you do. Um, I just I I think we talked about this before. Ninety percent of it, I think, is fucking perfect. Basically, I am a fan of to hit rolls, though. I think that's the only thing where I'm like, mm. it oh, just I depends on the kind of system. My, I have yeah, to hit rolls yeah. in mine. So, but but the fun. thing I too mean, is, I take no issue with that. I mean, I did. I, I if I I played like a native into the odd game when it released, and like it was a the combat was fast. Um, but yeah, I I have a hit rolls in mine. Well, that's well, that's what we've talked about before too. Is that Into the Odd is not a combat game? You know, so many of these games are yeah. combat games. So many games mm-hmm. are like uh, combat oriented. But Into the Odd, Lemon Horror, they, there's like one page for combat rules, and then you move on. As opposed to something like you know the Dragon Game, where eighty percent of the book is combat rules. Um, oh yeah, it's a it's a, it's yeah. a combat simulator. You it's know? a combat game, exactly. So that that is one thing that I do really like about it, and I think it's perfect for the style of games that it's used for. I, I just think that me, I think I'd lean away from those styles of games, but but would also, in a small way, like not be like, oh fuck, I would never play that. I would play the shit out of that. I think Liminal Horror is a great one to use into the odd with as well because of the style. A lot of the horrific things in it are gonna fucking kill you. So having more exploration, leaning more into those kind of aspects um, and understanding that like you are super, super squishy um, with hit protection is uh, is a really fantastic way to run it. So well, I, this is one of my favorite systems. It's just not my absolute favorite system, which I know uh, for you, it's definitely way up there. Um, yeah, it's way up there. But also my fucking God, Zach Hazard, this cover 
Yeah, it's a like, really great cover. One of my favorite covers of all time. I love like a nice virgin cover, quote unquote. And it's really the fact that it just has like the little liminal horror tag up here and is mostly just this fucking stunning artwork. Oh, it, it's it's hard to be better looking than that. And as I said, I when, like uh, the we were... very minimal um, like title. It reminds me of uh, The Dark. Uh, by yeah. GT, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Or it's just like, honestly, it takes a second to look. I'm like, what is? I'm like, oh, the dark. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't mind when things have more of like, uh, so like Zed and like this is kind of a standardish kind of book. Yeah. You know, it's got it's got a border, it's got a tag in the front. This I think also is mostly art through the bulk of it, and I think it's still one of my also one of my favorite covers. Um, that Zed and Two Knots for you guys in podcast land, but this one is just beautiful. And as I said, with um, with the cover for the mall, I don't know if you've got a chance to read the mall. So, but the they still have a little nod to the original cover on the mall too, where it's no, got yeah, the yeah, same. Right there. Yeah. Oh, also for podcast land, if you haven't seen the Liminal Horror cover, just Google it. But it looks like eyes. It almost gives me a little Full Metal Alchemist eyes kind of vibe. Yeah, it's um, uh, fuck, who is that? Which which homunculus is that? It's a uh, oh I don't know it's a, it's not pride it's a uh, no. doesn't matter but anyway you think why I talk so in the mall there's a picture of this '90s mall all closed down and in the back side of it it's got the same kind of like eyes with like arms of darkness reaching out kind of vibe to it so it's it is pride. it's yeah so um anyway cover Zach fucking gorgeous I love yeah. that. They have, we've talked about this before too. When a game can find its artist, it's so fucking fantastic. Like Troika with um, like Dirk Detweiler or Dirk Lighty um, is such a good match for yeah, that kind of stuff. It's a fit. hazard amazing for this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's I mean, really, the, well, it really is like, and we've talked about this before the importance of like, the, like we do judge things based on their cover. Like, mm-hmm. um, like yeah, the, that's how you invite, that's how you set the vibe. It's how you invite people yeah. into the game. It's how you advertise what what kind of tabletop game it is. Well, not only that. I mean, art is. I mean, human beings. We're dumb. Like, like Especially we're me. we're yeah yeah exactly. So we're we're um we're we're <laughs> <laughs> so we're 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 pulled in by pretty shiny things. You know what I mean? So I I've I I don't remember. I mean, I say this all the time. We've talked about this before, but I repeat myself a million times. Um, the I have bought games that have like meh art and like meh covers and they're fucking amazing games mechanically. Yeah. And they're not super successful as far as like uh, funding things. You know what I mean? Even adventures yeah. and things too. And I've also bought games that have beautiful art and gorgeous covers and been like, meh, it's a game. Oh, you know I have I mean? a ton of those from Kickstarter, yeah. especially. I'm like, yeah. Oh, this looks awesome. And I got it. I'm like, yeah, eh, you know. And the Kickstarters, a lot of those will back for tens of thousands of dollars and you get it and it's okay. So that's the thing. Like, you know, I feel like if there, if more amazing games and more indie creators had bigger art budgets, there would be more games blown up across the indie space. Um, it's just unfortunate that there are a lot of, I mean, this is just the world that we live in right now. Economically, it's not really easy for people. Um, and a lot of people that have genius ideas are really kind of held back by that. And it's really unfortunate. I wish there was. Yeah. Yeah. But. But this moving to say, into the actual yeah. game. Yeah. Well, this is all to say, I mean, this is just oh. the cover and then everything inside is basically public domain. So even the cover itself is just super important. You know? Beautiful. But, Amazing. As you said, as you said, moving into the game. So, I mean, first thing we got to talk about, table of contents. 
It's hyperlinked, you know? It is. It is. Look at, oh, you can't see it. Look Look at the hand. Look at the hand going. It turns into a hand Ooh, when it goes across wow. the hyperlink thing. And uh, we've talked about this before, too. It's really great when you reference a game in your zine, but it's also even better when you link it out of your zine into where you can find those things, which is really great. Very respectable. Um, God, my heart grew 10 sizes that day when I heard Goblin Archive say it's so important to hyperlink stuff. I was like, ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that yes. was definitely that was definitely a comment just for you. So <laughs> yeah. So uh so small zine, 35 pages. I mean, let's be real. It's really, it's really at some point I would love to actually do what I've talked about multiple times, which is to make an OSR NSR family tree. Because I feel like there are so many offshoots of um oh of into the odd of maze rats of um of nave and maybe even throw tunnel goons on there where mm. you can see especially into the odd where you can go from into the odd to cairn to um liminal fucking horror to like 10 cairn, other things to rune cairn liminal yeah. horror fucking yeah it's, yeah it's um rogueland i mean there's so many i think oh, Rogueland yeah, might yeah. be actually a nave hack um but um but yeah, it's 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 cut. It's a good game. We've talked about this. So yeah, uh, pretty short, thirty-five pages. We went to, through into the odd before, um, but uh, but we're gonna so we're gonna breeze through a lot of this stuff. This won't be super long. But when we get to the parts that are different, like stress and fallout, we'll read that a little yeah. bit more. So I think yeah, I think stress and fallout, and like once again, it, it really stood out to me. Like I think historically, culture makes light of mental illness or uses like a, a like ooh. Cr- like, and it's, it's just so fucking inappropriate, especially if you have anyone in your life that struggles with any type of mental health, or if you know you're a human with empathy at all. Um, and so it's really great that they stripped that out and were like, no, it's just fall. Your character's just fucking weird. I'm like, yes, that's what I yeah. want. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. And, yeah. Um, so modern cosmic horror, this is a page that kicks it off. It does have a very, um, uh, I think the layout is very inspired by Karen as well, unless I'm completely mm. pulling that out of my ass, but like just the, the bars, like the same kind of font, two, two columns. Um, but modern cosmic horror talks about facilitator and player facilitators are our GMs, your GM, um, your game master and your yep. players are your players. So yeah, they're the people at the table that aren't you. Uh, that are doing other stuff that My you various are personalities. Um, there is, um, and this is kind of intro to the intro to the intro. So um, it talks about player choice, it's, I mean, that, which is something you should lean into. You're not uh, telling a story. You're not putting on a show. You're allowing nope. the player's choice through a world, you know. Um, stress and fallout, which we're going to dig into a little bit deeper. Um, play deals with things of cosmic horror. This is represented mechanically by stress and fallout, um, which changes characters with the old powers. We'll get to that. Um, there are no classes. We're classless here, all of us. Um, Especially me. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, self-deprecating as well. So um, <laughs> we're also talking about uh, some growth here. There's no leveling mechanic, which is interesting. I really like it because yeah. honestly, you're not going to last that long, even if you live. Well, it's a realistically. horror game. Yeah, you know, like you know? I don't want a superpowered dude in my horror game. I want you to, I want horror yeah. to overtake you in one way or another eventually. Well, you know, it should be. I mean, anyone that writes a horror stuff for Fifth Edition, it's like it's literally designed for them to be like golden gods. Like it's not like I can do sixty-seven damage per turn. I'm not really that horrified right now. You know, um, there's the weird, which talks about. Um, uh, it's being set in a modern city that, and you slowly learn the weird and dangerous things in the dark. Uh, there's the old powers, the old ones, the 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 creepy liminal, you know, stuff that can drive you mad just by appearing at it. You know, Cthulhu-ish, not Call of Cthulhu, but the actual, you know, 
old don't guy. Know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's just some guy with, uh, he's got some like eh, stuff going on. Mm. Oh, um, that guy written by a racist? <laughs> yeah, piece of shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, listen, at least he's dead so we can no longer uh, profit from his racist bullshit. Um, fuck Harry Potter and Turfs. Uh, the world is dangerous and death is also a possible consequence. So I love this line, death comes for everyone, but some suffer a worse fate, which is really fantastic. And then there's a link to additional resources, which is the Goblin Archives GitHub page. Which, Funny, um, I, was talking to, I didn't even realize that that link was there. Like I knew there was a link there, but I didn't read it was a GitHub page. And I asked hmm. G.A., I was like, do you have a GitHub page? And it, it was like, yeah. I'm like, oh. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's fucking on the first page. I was just a dumbass. Um, yeah. um, but what's great about it is one thing he said, the core rules are always going to be free on it. And not only that, a lot of the other stuff that's available, like the bonus rules that um, he said he was writing for the deluxe edition, all over that page too, like the funnel rules, the void walls, like all that stuff. Yeah. Really, really great. I love, and this is, listen, everyone yeah, is, off. yeah, everyone is super, you know, if people want to write games to make money, that is a hundred percent valid totally. way to do it. Um, yeah. I do really enjoy though, creators like, like Yohai Gal and, and GA and stuff like that, where they make a game and say, yes, money would be great, but I would rather people, um, just get the chance to play my game. Like if they want to buy yeah. a print, cool. Thanks for the thanks for the dough. But if you want the rules for it, here it is free online. Um, and you'll have the same like, thing. A lot of games, a lot of tabletop games, especially ones we've covered, I've had the occasion to get for free, and I still bought. <laughs> I like. Yeah. I still have a whole. I have my own bookshelf in the other room. Um, yeah. I like read through. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna get a physical. I want. I want a physical copy of it. So. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, you know, and even when we had some creators give us some stuff for for um, for uh, like giveaways and even some other stuff, you know, people like Alex T, um, um, LFOSR, they're like, mm. oh, do you like here's some sacrifice bundles? I'm like, dope, but also like, can I give you like I want to buy an extra yeah. one and like I want to you know do this or that, you know, uh, even the Kickstarter stuff, um, you know, where we're like, oh yeah, no, I already backed it at the highest level, and they're like, yeah. cool, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that you know, and that's great because you know we I, economically I'm able to do that. And for those who can't, it's really fucking awesome that we have creators out there that totally. are like, listen, just play if you can, support in any way that you can, and even playing the game itself is supporting. So that's that's really fantastic to see, and I really like that um, the mindset with a lot of like indie games. I mean, you know, it's also a mindset that's not going to dethrone the dungeon game, but uh, they're doing a pretty good job of that themselves. Right I was now, say, so aren't they lot. doing that themselves <laughs> yeah. currently? Okay, yeah. so. Anyway. Hit, hit me with those principles, principles for facilitators. For facilitators. So a lot of this is logic that we've kind of covered in any OSR, NSR things. Like I think a really great one, and it's one that I constantly fucking complain about. And uh, if you've listened, you've heard me. Uh, information should not be kept behind rolls. Um, hey, listen, if you're if you're doing a mystery and your players whiff, if you have it behind roll and they whiff, and they just can't find the information, it's like, well, it's going to really throw a snag in playing. Um, you should provide information readily. This is about critical thinking and clever play. Um, you know, uh, elicit questions from the player uh, and give them direction. Uh, the weird uh, and their mysteries should be layered, leading players ever downward into the unknown. And that, I mean, it kind of tracks for how this is supposed to work, right? Like, as you get deeper, things get weirder. And even the bureau, it's like as you go, well, I guess it's up in the bureau. As you go, hit my mic, as you go up, like it starts to get fucking weird. Um, secrets, you should leverage these dark themes, dread, forbidden knowledge, and the fear of the unknown. I love forbidden knowledge, definitely my favorite thing. Um, you know, provide information, 
uh, on the physical and tangible reality to the players, but keep the true nature of things beyond reach. I feel like for me, running this would be something that take, took me a couple times to get good at because you have to like keep so many things layered and be so aware of how it's presented forward to your players. But like the deeper, um, go off. What do you say? Come on. No, no. I was, say, I was, I was. Listen, no. I took my Adderall. I'm, I'm not trying not to blur it in. So no, no, no. I, I was, I was ready for your thoughts on that. Oh, okay, dope. Um, this is. I honestly think this is one of the reasons horror hasn't blown up as much because it is fucking difficult to yeah. to run. I think it's difficult to write. I think really good of all the genres out there. Honestly, I think in in, in media, I think horror gets. I think horror gets more critique than anything. One, because it's so subjective, but two, because there are, like, people are afraid of a lot of things, but, like, when you look at primal fears, there aren't that many. So to delve into what ends up being trope after trope after trope is difficult in media, and people have, like, I've seen it, I'm not afraid anymore. Um, but I think running it successfully in a way where you like can drip feed that knowledge or get people to open like the doors that they want or do. I think that, like you just said, I think it would be really, really difficult. Like I, I, you know, if I was going to run an adventure, I would definitely want to play test, run some stuff, yeah. maybe even record myself. I would be, this would be one of the few things where like, I might not take a lot of notes to prep for everything because I don't like to do that. Mm -hmm. But like for how, like what the weird thing is, what the old power is and how, they perceive it at first versus what it's actual deeper layer of like weirdness and truth is. I would very much map that out very strongly beforehand. I would have a good idea. Well, I think, I think also another thing with horror, especially running it is you need a lot, you need a lot of player buy-in in multiple yeah, ways. Totally. Like one yeah. being, if you figure it out, if you figure it out, but your player really hadn't figured it out and it would be better as a group, if as a group, you figured it out having a player know to just kind of like maybe keep it close to the vest for a little bit mm. and like also help reveal as you go, because I would hate to have someone at my table and I'm trying to like jerk feed this information and they just go, Oh, I got it. You know, cause us ADHDers, like we, we have, it's so easy for us to pull tropes because we're very like patterned people, you know, like you can pick stuff out. So it would be really easy for someone to be like, oh, I figured it out. Like I was that's, just, that's, hard, that's why I have a hard time with horror movies. Um, I already know what's happening. Um, so actually, with you know, I can anymore, see this my wife being, anymore. Oh, sorry. Uh, I can see this game being a very good game for like a false Hydra game. Uh, do you know what the fall mm. like? The, the no. fucking so the false Hydra is like a creature that was created for the Dragon game, like but not by wizards, right? It's like a somebody custom, and it's essentially like a creature that lives in an area and um, eats people and like wipes people's memory of those people and so towns just slowly start falling apart because people start disappearing but no one remembers those people so you have houses that are there that have always been there and people are like oh it's always been empty it's like well no that was the mayor's house they just don't remember any of that because of false hydra that sounds sick it's i'll send you somebody has a really great example story on youtube and it really inspired me i'll send it to you later but okay moving forward right through this um yeah so secrets um slowly give investigators the opportunity to kind of pull threads like give them the opportunity to unravel the narrative um the scale of what the pcs face is incomprehensible true understanding is unattainable very very popular theme in cosmic horror is outside of mortal perception you can only they can only perceive what really their the finite human perception can can uh take uh, per, uh preparation make the world alive um, you know, be flexible with your preparation. I mean, it's OSR, NSR. It's very much a improvisational style of, of 
GMing. Um, uh, hey, thanks, Melee Games. Uh, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, give NPCs uh, and factions motivations, flaws, and drives. I think they were talking about, um, Josh was talking about uh, the NPCs, I believe in the Bloom being like kind of unlikable or like uh, vag- vaguely annoying. And I actually think it's a really strong method for making NPCs is to make them just a little grating and irritating because then they really stick with your players um, because mm-hmm. people are grating and irritating. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, including all of us. Um, yeah. And, uh, play to find out what happens, like what happens is you're not, you don't know until your players kind of make the moves and, and you go forward. Um, dice of fate. Sometimes randomness is required. Whenever you need randomness, you're going to roll one D six, consult the fate die, right? Six, a good result, four to five mixed uh one to three bad so if you're in the situations where you're like randomness is gonna happen and you need randomness you have your dice of fate uh, this 100 yeah it's actually it's a super clean and very cool idea and yeah. when you're in those moments where you're like yeah fuck i guess we'll just you know and like oh i fuck shit's getting worse um <laughs> difficulty mm-hmm. um realism and fictional positioning are a good starting place for setting uh difficulty Choice should have consequences, and all failure should be interesting. Yeah, failure, like having failure be nothing is not interesting. Nothing happens is not an interesting thing. Um, uh, saves cover various scenarios of uncertainty and risk. Um, you know, if there's neither, don't roll. Pretty, pretty typical, right? Uh, reward, cleverness, ingenuity, which it shouldn't have to tell you this. If your players are at the table and being clever, you should reward them for that because you're also a player and that's fun to watch uh danger uh the risk is great for lasting harm fallout from stress uh and overwhelming danger of encountering uh, the old powers or their progeny present the potentials of danger clearly for players and give them the opportunity to react let them make a choice as a player driven style of game right we don't hide we're gonna like well i don't know how dangerous it looks right it's like no it's a gargantuan tentacle monster that has eyes every three inches and teeth every four you know it's it's dangerous uh increase the amount of stress uh will increase the rate investigators are enveloped by the corruption of the old power um yeah characters die (laughs) yeah they do um choice offer tough choices not a good choice and a bad choice a bad choice and the worst choice you know a lose-lose situation is always the best thing to offer your players um all situations should have multiple outcomes absolutely um and per personal preference i don't always know what the outcomes are going to be until they play out of the table um yep. clarify player intent before dice are rolled uh, make sure players have all the information that would be obvious to their character really a lot i mean i keep saying this as we go through these are just good rules to live by for playing a tabletop game um uh the influence of the old power is <coughs> excuse me bends and breaks reality um yeah so they're everywhere um and the full scope of what they do is not totally known. Um, every action should leave an impact on the world in some way. Failure. Um, failure should push the story forward. Once again, failure is not ever nothing happens because that's boring. Um, is encouraged to elicit complications or twists uh, from players. Love that. Yeah, you want to do principles for players? Absolutely. So the principle for players, there's a couple 
Uh, I mean, there's like two pages of it. Um, so uh, principles for players. First is agency. Um, the number on your character sheet is a mechanical tool to engage with the game, but it doesn't define you or your character. Um, use how your character has grown to inform your play and embrace the weird and the unknown. Um, you should always use teamwork to work to support the others at the table, to elicit um, interactions with other players. Um, you don't always have to be aligned, uh, but you should all be aiming towards the same goal. This is kind of how you run an evil campaign, you know, like you don't have to all. Um, I think they said it the best way, you don't have to be aligned, but you should be working towards the same goal. So when I did run an evil campaign, all the players had their own sub goals. All the players had, you know, different things going on and they're doing it for different reasons. But at the end of the day, they're moving towards the same goal, which makes it easier. Um, planning, ask questions. Um, there's no type of um, mind roles in this, no perception or intelligence. So what you know is what your player knows. Um, reconnaissance, subtlety and fact finding are necessary for survival. Um, talking is a point and the PCs have drives and flaws. Interact with them as you would a real person. That means don't have a 10 minute conversation before asking their name. Quick reminder to every player out there. Um, build relationships, engage with rivals and invest in the NPCs. Um, and information and positive outcomes can often be achieved through dialogue. That being said, sometimes a cultist communion requires an offering of blood and bone. Um, there is caution is one of the principles. Uh, fighting is risky and consequences of violence are long lasting. For anyone that hasn't played an Into the Odd game, there is no to hit roll, which we discussed. Um, everything hits. It's just the amount of protection that you have in various different ways that keeps you okay. Um, a shattered mind is just as debilitating as a broken body. Um, you can you should gain any advantage you can um, and prep to stave off doom. Um, and in games like this, if there is magic, magic is chaotic and wielding the unknowable can have dire consequences. Victory comes in many forms and could even be just a successful retreat. Um, and ambition is another principle. Discover the drives and goals for you and as a player, your character, um, and the team. Use it to inform your play. Um, you try to fail forward. Love the kind of system where you can fail forward. It's why Absolutely. you know the P PBTAs are my favorite, but this is right up there too. <laughs> a no. A no is should never be a no. You know, it should always be yeah. like a no but or a no and, you know? No and. Um, yeah. Um, it is no, a you don't unlock that door. Instead, you make a fucking loud racket. <laughs> yeah, something. It's not just like, nope, you failed to unlock the door. And everyone goes, okay, dope. Uh, I guess I try again. No, you're not allowed to try again for some reason. Come the fuck on. Um... It is complications and resulting actions that you remember from fails. Um, a lot of times, I, I would say that a lot of my favorite memories from games are when people fuck up super bad and we get to deal with oh, the consequences. So, absolutely, yeah, that's the best part. Like yeah. your character, like your character being superhero, Superman, and everything going great is not the most fun part. It's when they go, "Oh fuck, wait, hold on, I fucked everything up." It's like, yeah, yeah. you did. That's why. I, that's why I don't like Superman and hate dressed. Um, I thought you loved and, Superman. Uh, I thought it's your favorite nope, superhero. Nope, not a fan. I don't think I have a favorite superhero. It was Green Arrow when I was younger. I really loved you uh, fucking Green Arrow. Bro. What's wrong Who's with that? I, I just like, I don't know. Fuck you. Um, I don't even think I have one now. Uh, I'm just not a big superhero. I think the whole concept is exactly the opposite of what I like, and it's another reason I don't like you know, 5e. It's, I don't like hero shit. I like anti-heroes or uh, just pieces of shit trying to, that aren't the center of the universe, that aren't saving everything. Um, Jesus not the is chosen my ones. You know what? Okay. Um, <laughs> characters die, but the story will continue, and uh, play to find out what happens. You know, that's it. 
Um, character creation. Do you want to do this or want me to do this one? Um, yeah, we can kind of, I mean, I think we can kind of skim. I think there's some roll tables that we really want to go through here in a little bit. But yeah. for character creation, it's a three-stat system, right? So you have strength, your physical stat, dexterity, your speed, sneaking, and precision. And you have control, which is going to be your willpower, your charm, and weird. Uh, so control is going to work for several things we go through. Any of the weird shit, honestly. Um, whenever you create a new character, you're going to roll 3d6. Uh, you can swap two stats. I personally never care if they swap more than two stats. I just like roll 3d6 to get three different numbers and then assign those as you wish. Um, it's got hit protection, um, 1d6. This is not eight hit points. This or health points is hit protection. It's your ability to avoid life-threatening damage. Um, and it can be, you know, once you run out of HP, it can be retrieved again or got back uh, very quickly by just taking a short break break um definitely a fantastic um way to run hp um and preferred 100 yeah. by me permanently yeah i listen mechanically i think it's fantastic i think for yeah. the kind of games that ito uses it's fantastic it's not my favorite um i i'm a big fan of of straight hp with armor soak or or things like that it's it which is very which is similar in a well, different good way. news we have armor in this system so so armor yeah armor does there's a little bit of armor with a little bit of soak but then so then you have the hit protection you know it's it's a very interesting way especially if you think about it more as not um taking the damage and somehow soaking it it's more about avoiding the damage is what is how i always yeah. saw hit protection so yeah, it's, totally. it's 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 grazes and close misses glancing and it's blow. how many yeah, times yeah it's how many times you can do that before you can't do that anymore and that i think once i re once i read that and really took that in where it's like you're not getting hit and this is stopping something from happening it's your way to avoid the hits entirely which um is a which is what made it easier for me to kind of like understand it so yeah. i really like it i enjoy it and i definitely would play games in it um but again it's not it's not my very my top favorite way to do this but it is a, a fun awesome way to do it that chris mcdowell just mm. good fucking i mean good fucking job yeah so also um there is an armor uh tag for items that will provide protection from damage and instability which is your protection from stress so you have damage as a physical thing and you have st like stress as a mental damage or like a secondary damage uh that stability protects you from um if stress would take a pc's hp exactly to zero um it's exactly to zero uh the player must roll on the stress fallout table which we'll get to um oh hey look at that inline hyperlink isn't that beautiful mm -hmm. um yeah um investigator details so you're gonna choose a name a background page seven uh we'll get there uh, a style of clothing um you'll get an answer or you'll answer the getting to know your character question page eight um determine the rest of your character's traits uh, and then choose their age um yeah um which is at least 18 and yeah uh yes. <laughs> it's it's two it, Which, your, your I mean, starting age is two d20 plus 16 so you know you can roll two ones and have a 16 so you're 18 and up so no children in this game motherfucker um you're adults going against horror uh starting gear all of this here start out with an investigator bundle a phone cash a notebook and pen uh it, it's it's a modern game so you're gonna have a cell phone 
Um, yeah. I love, know, I love what? later too when you when you roll for your phone, it's flip phone or smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> Who still has a flip phone? You know. Um, players roll on the starting gear table to determine equipment. Um, if indicated, the PC will add magic to their sheet because there is magic. Um, like I think we've already mentioned a couple times. And refer to the magic rules. Uh, characters have a total of 10 inventory slots. Um, hands, an upper body, uh, four slots, plus a backpack, a bag, six slots. Um, if all slots are full, the PC's HP becomes zero because if you're over, like if you're just packed with shit that you're carrying, you have a hard time moving out of the way of damage, you know, of, of, of things hitting you. Um, most items take up one slot. Smaller items can be bundled. Very standard into the odd. Bulky items take two slots and an awkward required two hands. Straight out of into the odd. Um, the equipment list has a more detailed overview of weapons and investigation gear. Um, yeah. The party. Uh, the final step is to establish a party set up using the party questions section. Uh, this provides the initial context for investigators and their journey into the unknown. And like I, I feel like GA was talking about, GA was talking about um setting up your own custom like investigator details and like party details and like questions for your own to make it to get your party settled into whatever adventure module you're running absolutely investigator details um i'm not gonna worry about name or clothing but let's let's go ahead and round let's roll on this um this background table um i rolled nine a criminal hell yeah um, I rolled a uh, 16. I'm a gig worker. I'm out here. I'm out here driving I'm, Ubers and delivering Taco Bell at 2 a.m. Yeah, look at you. I'm about to, you're about to stop by my place, man. I'm going to order some food. Um, getting to know your character. Um, you know, what is your first encounter with the unknown? And you can roll a D10 or choose. Let's roll a D10. Six. Uh... Yeah, what was your first encounter with the unknown? The evidence online is just too much to be ignored. You know, I uh, I witnessed something in the darkness. Number two. Mm. Uh, ideology cool. and uh, beliefs. To... Yeah. What's up? Sorry. Yeah. Ideology and beliefs. What lens do they use to interpret the world? What do you got? I got uh, one. Everything has a rational explanation rooted in science. There we go. Um, and I got number eight. You believe in fate, and it directly impacts your life. Nice. Um, connections. Uh, list one significant person um, to the investigator. Very cool. Grounding your character. Uh, list, one, list one contact the investigator has. Um, and you can roll for these as well. I'm going to roll for a contact. Um, I got a specialist. Yeah, I got a oh, specialist. Yeah. Nice. And I got a protege. Oh, look at you. You're 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 your mentor to somebody. That's yeah. terrifying. Um yeah. your your Let's, gig uh, your gig worker, your gig worker has a mentor. With a protege, I'm teaching them. I'm teaching them the, the rules. Well, I of the take city. him out of my rides, you know. Yeah. Um and, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of roll tables that show like for physique. Virtue, yeah, well, face, why don't, flaws, why don't, speech, why don't you roll three? Why don't you roll three and I'll roll three and we'll just make a physical character? Okay. Um, so, I, I think I can do that. All right. We'll switch off. How about that? So physique, yeah. six, stout. Oh, God, it's me. Oh. 
Interesting. I, I had gotten curvy, so yeah, stout sounds good. Uh, for face, um, I got a three. It's chiseled. We're stout and chiseled. Okay, and then for speech, I got a four and droning. So uh, right. a, a stout, chiseled man who drones on. Oh, what would yeah. you get for virtue? Uh, for virtue, I got six. I got honorable. Ah, nice. Uh, mm-hmm. For flaw, I got two, which is bitter. Um, Why are we are just we rolling us? Me? <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is happening? All right. Uh, I mean, and then I for not very chiseled face, but mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you're drawn. just hiding it with that sweet stash and and little scruffy scruff you got. That's what I'm hiding. Um, and then for uh, misfortune, I rolled a seven, so we're demoted. Maybe that's why I'm a gig worker. Not to say that gig workers aren't fantastic. No, I fuck with gig workers. Yeah, hardcore. Oh, here, um, uh, starting gear. Yeah. Starting gear. Portfolio. Question for you real quick. Um, if I were to ask you to non-verbally show me how you would answer a phone, how would you do that? Like, how do you answer a phone? Yeah, see, that's funny. Yeah, same. For those that are in podcast land, I put my thumb up and my pinky up and suck it to my ear because we're 30 plus. I saw this video the other day of this like millennial asking her like 10 year olds how to do it. And they literally like went like this and like held it up like with like making a C with their hand as if they're holding the the smartphone to their hand. So it's kind of funny. Anyway, flip phone versus smartphone. That's why you rolled 2D4 Um, here. Why don't we uh, why don't we do that? Because we're old. God. I got an eight. Smartphone, baby. I got a six. Smartphone. Hell yeah. Nice. And you then uh, three, like, Okay, so weapons. Let's roll for a weapon real quick. Yeah, do it. Well, because some of it's it's weapons, but some of it's not weapons, which is interesting. What did you get? I got a 14. So I got a dagger, baton, taser, or pistol. I nice. think I think our chiseled guy might have a, a pistol. Pistol? Yeah. I feel pistol. Dagger would be very, like... I feel like you had almost I would almost use like pocket knife instead, you know what I mean? Or or some like weird ceremonial cultist dagger that could be a whole thing. Or just a um, knife. It's a regular yeah. knife. Yeah. I got a uh for investigative gear, I all I got was binoculars. Okay. All right. Um I get? got zip ties. Oh dope. Okay. What'd you get for the memento? I don't know, I haven't rolled that one yet. Slow down. Uh, one, a note from a lost love. Oh. And then I got uh, number four, a piece of jewelry car from Bone. And bonus and then, item. Yeah, bonus item. Uh, I got magic. <laughs> yeah, of course you did. And then I would have got in more investigative gear. Got it. All right. So, um, so party questions. This is cool. This is we're 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 past mostly like the rule stuff, and this is more like play the stuff setup. at this point. Yeah, yeah, the setup and stuff. So, for the party, why is the party come together? Uh, use the answers from the get to know your character section to inform your decision. As a table, create your own or use the table below. So, what uh, what do you? What I got do you five. Do I got members one? of the community respond to a series of mysterious events. It's like you and your you and your friends, your lo- friends from the local local diner or whatever, are just like. What the fuck's going on? You start checking stuff out. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Like uh, we we can do a whole. Well, I mean, we're not going to be on bikes and and doing a whole Stranger Things walkie talkie situation, but you know, similar, I guess. Could be a local TTRPG club that meets yeah. up every Wednesday. You know, <laughs> um, have each, So there's also bonds, which are optional. Have each player state a relationship to another character. So my character, uh, you would be uh, number six. You would be my neighbor. 
Ah, neighbor. Mm-hmm. Um, I got. I guess I should roll instead of just taking stuff in. Uh, blank is my ex. So. Oh, know. dope. Well, and you got a letter from a lost love and stuff. So it'd be interesting uh, how you could really tie those together. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, would that be weird sadness. if you just like busted out the letter every now and then while you're like adventuring with your ex and they're like wait what are you looking at and you're we'll like oh nothing them. Oh, um vehicle so you're gonna determine as a group what type of vehicle or transportation the party has access to um park has access have access to more than one vehicle car chases are an essential part of solving a mystery super agree with that um vehicles mm. have hp when it's reduced to zero a vehicle's totaled. Totaling a vehicle can cause damage to those in and around the vehicle. It's a vehicle. It's a car. My car, you know? That's what it is. I might have a moped. Uh, you never know. Hey, listen, um, and then we have equipment dope. lists, which are always helpful. Um, you know I love? You know I love a long equipment list with exact you, dollar values You on really it. do. You love it. I know mm-hmm. you all, all. Every day you wake up and you're like, man, I love long equipment lists. But that's here. You know, gives you good context. But well, I mean, I'm good to cruise back down to rules. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's a little bit different about this too, though, is that since it is modern, the values feel better. You know, because the dragon game, true. like a shovel, is like two silver. But you know how much you can buy for two silver in the dragon? It's a fucking shovel. It's like five. Like, come on. So I, uh, I think the values on here make a lot more sense. Um, if you really look at like what they are. So uh, this is a little bit different in that it feels like you could actually look this up and find out the real values. So that's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is very true. Um, yeah, so um, rules, you know, um, you have your three abilities, uh, your ability scores, right? Your abilities, strength, dex, and control. Um, you know, these are used for saves. Uh, strength is saves and physical um, and physical damage. Uh, physical damage, sorry, target strength. So when you're taking damage, because remember this is into the odd base, so you lose HP and then you take damage directly to stats. Um, Dex is going to be used for save in instances of speed, subtlety, and precision. Control is going to be used for saves in instances of the weird. Uh, luck, social interactions, emotional strain, stress, and fallout. Um, stress uh, t- targets control. Um, yeah. I, it's, it's, it's really interesting that they used control as the kind of like will slash mind slash yeah stat. like it, it feels like is willpower the into the odd stat is it strength dex and will i'm pretty positive probably the, I, mark of the odd boy I, I i'm pretty sure it's will which is interesting um and i really like that one thing ga said one thing that's into the odd is there's no intelligence stat so you just get to right. know what your characters know you don't have to like play dumb or anything um, but control specifically for like kind of a horror thing feels like such a good word. Yeah. Um, because it's your ability to like, just like keep your shit under yeah. control. I always think it meant cool. like mental fortitude almost, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think fortitude and will kind of like together yeah. is like just they hold your, hands. your ness, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, so, saves. Yeah. Um, so it's save as the, uh, like just says it perfectly. A save is a re- resolution mechanic um, used in play. Uh, they're only you only use a save when there's risk. You're gonna roll a d20 against a certain attribute. Uh, if the roll is equal to or under that, sorry, not attribute, ability score. If the roll is equal to or under that ability, they pass. If it's oh, uh, otherwise, they fail. A one is always a success. A twenty is always a failure. No matter what the stats say. Um, if there is a contested action, the party at most risk makes the save. Um, good to have that there, just in case that ever pops up. But yeah, in the end, um, healing. You take a quick rest to get back all your HP. Um, 
Sorry. Yeah. Uh, ability loss takes longer to recover from. Uh, it can take as much as a week's rest. Yeah. It's very much like a, yeah, you know, your HP, you get back just by take, catching breath. But if you really get injured, like you need to go sit down and like take a rest for a week, you know, at home, like heal, you're healing from a wound, you know, yeah. it's, it doesn't have, you don't go to bed and wake up feeling better if you hurt yourself. Well, um, this isn't the, but I would say, and going back to the hip protection thing, I just wish they had used a different set of initials. And this goes all the way back to Chris McDowell. I think if they had used literally anything besides HP, it'd be a lot easier for people to grasp because it's so hard to like in your mind separate HP from hip protection because it's so different. Like, I don't I know mean, what else I could have used, but the thing is, even... I think the, the function of it is very similar. It's the idea behind it that's different. And I think mm -hmm. there's a good rule about calling a thing a thing. If there's a understood nomenclature that we all use for a thing and this is essentially that same thing like you should still be using it you know kind of. i mean if they didn't even use like ha and call it like hit avoidance i think that mm. would i think you're fucking wrong um mm. yeah i mean i'm sure you have some point i'm sure there's some other you know edgelord like wearing all black dude out there who's agreeing with you but <laughs> mm -hmm. um mm. uh, <laughs> yeah i mean it doesn't bother me but you yeah. listen your feelings are legitimate buddy um you well, don't need you. me I to qualify you. Them. i appreciate you uh, acknowledging that though, yeah. whether you agree um, or disagree look at us look at us anyway. reaction so there's an npc mm. uh reaction table um Lovely. you roll 2d6 and yeah it's great to have yeah. um armor and stability uh armor value is deducted from damage D armor is damage soak um stability yep. A target stability value is deducted from incoming stress before it is applied to HP. It's right. Stress is damage. Um, equipment can provide the bonus defense of you know, stability. Uh, these are rare trinkets or objects that provide deep sense of comfort and connection to reality or your perception of it. Um, it doesn't say that. I'm saying that. Um, it is up to the facilitator's discretion to create additional equipment that have tags of armor and stability, right? Um, I would say that if you get something from home, like as a family heirloom or like your mom's locket that you keep on you that makes gives you a little bit of stability when you hold on to it, I think that's shit like that's cool. Um, yeah. Um, uh, deprivation and fatigue. Um, a PC is deprived um, if lacking any crucial needs such as food or rest, right? Uh, they're unable to recover HP. Um, or ability scores. PC, it would make sense if you don't have food for like a week, you're definitely not getting any better from injury. Um, PC right. may also take uh, the deprived tag as a result of uh, magical con magical tomfoolery, right? Um, or enemy abilities. Uh, anyone deprived for more than a day adds fatigue to their inventory. Um, one for each day. Each fatigue occupies one slot, right? So they just lose inventory as they get more tired. Um, and it'll last until you... Uh, get a full night's rest and, and you're no longer deprived, right? Um, PC can also gain, uh, player characters can also gain uh, deprived and fatigue from spells. Um, spells and events, they can come from anywhere, but this is how they work, right? Uh, vehicles, vehicles have HP when they reach zero. They're totaled, I think we went over this already. Um, vehicle damage is relative to the target and speed. Starts at D6 and scales according to the fiction. Damage against the vehicle depends on the method. Some instances may be um, imperative based on the scale. Um, we'll get there. Yep. You want to take over for inventory? 
Yeah, so inventory, um, I love this inventory. You have 10 slots, um, you get six backpack slots, and then you get four basically body slots. Two for your hands, two for your upper body, like a belt, your chest, your head, something like that. Um, they all take up one. Um, if they're small, you can bundle them. You know, it's into the uh, It's a great system. Yep. Uh, bulky items take up two slots and, and generally require two hands. Um, and if you have a full inventory, uh, anyone carrying a full inventory, filling all 10 slots, is reduced to zero HP. So... I like that. I just, I almost feel like if you have 10, you could use 10. If you go to 11, it goes to zero HP. But I mean, that's such a small whatever. Um, yeah. PC can't, but the difference is, and why they don't do that is PC cannot carry more items than the inventory allows. Um, so basically, when you max out, you already get to 11. You're already turning up the dial, you know? Um, right. You can also hire associates, which I uh, wish a lot more games had. We've talked about this before. Followers, basically. Um to create an associate, it's much like creating a character. You roll 3d6 for each ability score, give them 26 HP, a simple weapon, roll some character traits, and the cost between $50 and $100. Um, expert associates are uh, temporary associates, which you can employ for specific tasks. They have three HP and an area expertise and cost 300 per day right. instead. Um, and wealth, uh, cash is most common form of currency, um, but there are some vendors that will require different things um, like relics and whatnot. Um, and debt transcends all boundaries and can be a burden or a boon. Um, and as I said, relics are powerful items touched by the old powers. They're dangerous. They're sought after. Um, relics kind of, you can really lean into like the, 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 one of the best things about Into the Odd, especially the newer book, the huge list of, of magical yeah. relics and items to pull the good ideas from that. Um, Some weird child that, you know. Yeah. And then we get into combat. So as we said before, this is not a combat simulator game. A lot of the rules are like, yeah, do this. So um, at the start of combat, unless there's a surprised, unless a surprised enemy, each PC makes a deck save for a chance to act before their adversaries. Success means they go first. Failure means they go last. Um, and after the start of the combat round, order proceeds with the PCs acting, then adversaries. Because like, if it's one, then the other, the first round matters, but then it doesn't matter because you're just going back and forth. So right. Um, the game typically plays without strict accounting rules, but if you want to, each round is 10 seconds. Um, during each turn, all actions, attack, and movements take place simultaneously, much like the Dragon game and whatnot. Yeah, and it's um, like it's very much into the odd, right? Like you can move, you can move 40 feet and take an action. Taking actions, pretty much doing anything, right? There are no to hit rolls, just like into the odd. Um, I yeah, there is retreating, which is is brought up here. Uh, escaping a doomed uh, scenario. Uh, requires a successful deck save um, and, you know, a safe destination where to get away. You need a point of egress, right? Um, safely retreating uh, is a victory in its own way because it's a fucking horror survival game. Um, attacking and damage, uh, the armor is going to take away from damage um, stress, or sorry, uh, stability. It's going to take away from stress damage. Um, if multiple attackers attack the same target, uh, it, it's pretty much the uh, the highest roll is the one that you take. And if you're attacking with multiple weapons, you roll two dice and you just take the highest one. Um, yeah, if attack is impaired, uh, the attacker is a position that weakens them. It basically takes their die size down to D4, just like into the odd. If it's enhanced, which means they're in like a advantageous situation, their, die, their damage die size goes up to a D12. Um, unarmed attacks are always a D4. It very much, it's like, it's very much, I'm glad they didn't change this. It's, it's easy it's to remember and understand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a blast tag that's going to denotate like a space. 
Um, right. If it's a, it's a blast, it's going to hit uh, like a, an area. Um, it can be anything from an explosion to spectral tentacle, I think is the other thing it says on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. If the scale is unclear, roll damage dice to determine the number of targets affected, which is cool, right? You like, yeah, it's a big boom. And I, you know, how it's going to hit, uh, four of y'all. Um, yeah. Crit damage, critical damage. Um, if, uh, if your HP drops below zero, you begin to uh, take uh, damage to your stat. Um, you wait, am I reading? Did I miss part? No, I'm right. Um, the strength decrease decreases by the damage taken past your HP. Um, the player cares must then make a strength save to avoid taking critical damage. Suffering critical damage disables the, the victim. So pretty much, let's say you have four HP, you take seven damage. Three of that's going to roll over to your strength. You then need to make a save on strength under that new total, which is three lower, um, or you're down. Um, the only way to get back up is from the help you back up. Um, critical stress equals fallout stress. Um, that reduces a target's HP below zero. Um, you basically just do another, it's a control save instead of a strength save this time um, to avoid critical stress. Um, if the player character fails their critical save, they take critical stress and gain a fallout, which is uh, very interesting, very cool. I also like that it's it's perfectly lined up with critical damage, like the native into the odd, like strength, critical damage, um, stress, critical stress, except critical stress is like a whole new thing. It gives you this whole fallout, not just that you go down, shit happens. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, if uh, stress to a PC reduces their HP to exactly zero, which that's an interesting thing. If, if, if your stress just takes out your HP immediately straight to zero, then you just roll on the fallout table and you just take fallout. Um, as if you failed the crisis. And that's really interesting. And I wonder how that works out mechanically when you're actually playing. Like why that specific rule? Why not just the, um, the crit fallout uh, or the critical stress to fallout? Um, why is there the zero HP equals fallout? Well, so with the critical stress, the stress that reduces the target's HP below zero decreases your control, right? So you have to do a save to avoid critical stress. And if you fail right. that save, right, um, if a character fails a control save, they take critical stress and gain fallout from the stress table. So basically, it, when you hit zero exactly, you don't at all. And I think it feels like one of those, like, it almost feels to me like in uh, like Necronautilus, where if you hit like dead in the middle like something more interesting happens yeah so totally i think it's just i couldn't think of I, I can't imagine a different way where you could do something more except for this where it's like if you hit an exact number um that you get the extra fallout so i like that there's two different ways that you can yeah, get it I, well i wonder how yeah. much it comes like that actually like hits and comes up yeah i mean you know i i would be curious if part of it too is also based on how much stat and hp you still have right so say you have four hit protection and and two points of stat left or whatever on a d6 like you know what i mean like what like yeah. i feel like there are times where the numbers you have and the numbers you roll are gonna come up more often like right if you're down to like three total you're gonna hit it more often so i i, I really feel like there it would be an interesting curve in the way that the game plays out that'd be fun if i was good at math to to map that out <laughs> so um yeah ability score yeah listen if your strength hits zero you die if mm -hmm. dex hits zero you're paralyzed and if uh control is reached zero they're lost you're just yeah. lost 
Um, so really, like the whole the whole like a quick overview of like how the whole thing works is you have stats, you have HP, you have potentially armor or whatever, right? So like when you get hit, the armor soaks up some of it, the HP soaks up some of it, which is how much you can avoid, and then your stats soak up some of it and right. when your stats hit zero you're dead like or paralyzed or whatever so there's like layers to getting to you dying and that's the general yeah. path yep very cool um yeah well uh, when the character dies the player can create a new character or take control of an associate um i love to have my uh pcs have a hireling of some sort around mm -hmm. and that way like it's very easy like Transition, yeah. I mean, yeah. Watt did the same thing in our Cloud Emperor thing. He was like, well, guess what? You are not oh, this yeah, robot. Oh, yeah, I was a robot. You know? So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just the, just fucking bobbing your head the whole time. So uh, so we also have detachments, or large group of similar combatants fighting together. They can be treated as a single detachment. Um, if it takes critical damage, they're routed. Um, you know, as I said before, like, if you have multiple combatants, it's just, like, one damage roll, you take the highest, which I, that's one of my favorite things about Into the Odd, you don't have to do a million damage rolls or a yeah, million weapon I rolls, it's one damage total, you take the highest, so it's super clean. Yeah, I, I super agree, I, I very, just the Into the Odd's fucking perfect. Um, and yeah, I like that they good. brought detachments in, like, detachments yeah. another, like, Into the Odd native, right? Um, because it's all about hiring people and creating your, like, your empire, mm. more or less. Um, and so it's cool they brought it in because it does make sense. Like, what happens when you and the town rally together to go torch and pitchfork some extra dimensional yeah. demon, you know? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. And then you can keep going. It's fine. Yeah. I'll listen to then we have morale. morale is a mechanical trigger used to simulate NPCs' desire to survive. Basically, it, it's a control save or they flee. Um, Lone forces must save when they reach a zero HP. And some NPCs transcend measures of morale. Um, their proximity to the weird means their behavior diverges from other PCs. So if you're with a weirdo, they're going to be okay. Um, but you as a PC don't have morale. It's specifically right. for enemies and NPCs and things like that. Um, and then we get into uh, magic. You are resident magic boy. Why don't you take magic? Actually, you know what? I read this. Uh, I, yeah, I'll go ahead and read it. No, no, no. You go ahead. I was, I was like, I want to hear this read to me. Uh, but oh, no, no I'll fine. read it too. No, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Characters may be able to use magic if you roll it in character creation, which you did in part of it. Um, right. If you gain through stress fallout, so one of the fallout things is you literally gain magic, or you're warped through play, um, random spells are generated using the table process below. Each morning, the PC creates a single spell in an inventory slot. The spell may be rolled randomly or as a copy of a spell lost on the previous day. We'll get to spell loss here in a second. Uh, we'll go over spell formula here in a second, too. While I keep reading, why don't you roll 2d6 for me? Yeah. Um, spells use a single action, and afterward, they are immediately gone from your inventory. So a spell takes an inventory slot, and once you use it, it's gone. Um, if you're deprived or in danger, you must make a control save to avoid any ill effects. Consequences of the failure should correlate and level to the intended effect. So, like, you know, your spell failure should be in some way related to your spell. Spell effects are decided by the facilitator. It's it's a conversation, but they get the final say. Um, baseline offensive spells are a D8 if it's a spell target or D6 if it's a blast. And PCs can attempt to retain the spell by successfully making a control save. So you can try to keep it. Um, on a success, the spell stays prepared, um, but you do mark fatigue, which is great. So you still you lose an inventory slot. Right. Um, so actually you go from gaining one by losing the spell because it takes up one to actually losing a second one to keep it and on a failure you do not retain the spell you mark deprived and add fatigue to your inventory so regardless you get it so what did you roll for your 2d6 uh i rolled a one and a five so it's ethereal element plus physical form so i could do um plague armor 
Thunderclaw, Warp Cloak. Um, very interesting, like, word combinations you could build from this. Yeah, so you actually, there's a whole page here for the different six things, because it's it's um, three effects and three forms, right? Physical, ethereal, um, and... Wait, am I dumb? It's physical effects, ethereal effects, physical, it's phys, it's, I'm sorry, la, 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 effects, elements, and form. So physical and ethereal effects, elements, and form are different things that you can do. Um, and there's also a list here of omens and catastrophes, which can be some fallout stuff from um, from spells. So a dream play, oh, some no of those, stars. Some of the omens and catastrophes are pretty good. Like the first one on catastrophe, mass slumber. <laughs> yeah everyone so good just everyone done yeah water uh, turning to blood night. yeah so, so like graves opening this is such a good table too to use for um theming your adventure much like you use the fallout because yeah. a lot of the omens can be specific to the the thing that you're looking at um and then so so was there a question you had about the magic or you just, no, wanted... I just want to hear it read to me? No, I, I got it completely. Gotcha. So. Cool. 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 Sorry. So, uh, like, you uh, know it, The best thing about us doing this is like, I read through stuff and I have an understanding of it. And then we read it together and I hear it from you and I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, no, there's multiple times we've gone through stuff and I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm, so I get it now. I sometimes, it. Especially the stuff that I'm the most interested in. Like I just have such ADHD brain that I've read it four times. I'm like, I just need someone else to read it so I can like, hear it read to me so i can like cement it even more so thank you that's all well, i wanted you know but. what and we hope we hope that people listening to the podcast get that from us you yeah, know because you can absolutely. read this or you can just listen to us kind of like bullshit through it so you're welcome out there yeah so scrolls those... and relics yeah so scrolls and relics scrolls are similar to magic however uh does not does not take up an inventory slot uh does not cause fatigue um disappears after one use Player must make a control save or receive 1d4 stress. So you just receive stress for using, for attempting to understand this arcane um, and potentially extra-dimensional knowledge, right? Relics uh, relics are powerful and dangerous items touched by the old powers. Um, relics often have a limited use and are uh, and a recharge condition, um, so a way that you can extend the uses. Um, some examples um let's do uh this is the stone of beirut huh uh resembles a small egg with a distorted face if you would take critical damage ignore it instead uh this stone activates and whisk you to safety um to recharge you have to sacrifice an innocent soul uh to the stone add deprived and fatigue to the character sheet um, on the third recharge, roll and home in a magical catastrophe. Sorry, we're just reading the relic examples, and I had to read the last one. Um, oh, yeah. You know. Well, I mean, because, yeah, because that's, yeah. Because, yeah. Gotcha. you know, because yeah. the anime. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, so now we're getting to the, the thing that's really different from Into the Odd. Most of this is really, like, Into the Odd or Karen, which is Into the Odd. But Stress and Fallout is the thing that is totally different this and like the doom tables i think are something that are a little bit different um stress is identical to and one thing you said earlier like the fact that stress is the exact same thing as um like critical damage and stuff it's the same exact mechanic but just for control instead of strength which makes it so easy to uh like for mark the odd people to keep going with it but do it in a different way which is really really cool so 
This is uh, the results of narrative consequences, failed saves, magic repercussions, enemy attacks, those kind of things. So stress examples are like one stress could be a glimpse of encountering the stranger of the odd. D4 stress is contact with the weird and unexplainable. D6 stress is exposure directly encountering the unknowable. Reality bends. D8 is a catastrophe. Major powers, omens, catastrophes. Reality is close to breaking. Um, and D10 stress, doom, uh, direct contact with old powers, reality rupturing, actually seeing the thing. So there's levels and there's a, a way that you can, um, you know, use that in play to know how much stress to give to a player. Um, we get into the stress fallout tables, which is super fun. Um, some moments change investigator forever. Um, okay. Uh, stress reduces a PC's HP to exactly zero, or the character takes critical stress. That's when I'm going to use a stress fallout table. Um, unless marked, the fallout can only be chosen once per table, and each fallout takes up an inventory slot. It cannot be removed. So you're, you can get to a point where you're literally holding nothing, but all the ways you're fucked up. Like to roll once on the fallout table because they're Please fucking do. amazing. Yeah. Um, ten magical corrupt motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, of course magical you can get corruption. This. Uh, this can be taken multiple times per character. Flesh is weak. Uh, a part of your body becomes visibly changed through your proximity to the weird. Uh, the facilitator and the player should decide how that change manifests and if it has any mechanical impacts. Perfect. Yeah. Such a such a such a perfect one. I really really <laughs> like this. Yeah, um, I'm gonna roll on it too. But uh, one thing that uh, is here that Gia talked about specifically is the note to the facilitator. The tone of the stress fallout table reflects the themes and goals of the game. Adjust for what works for your table, adding or changing entries as needed to ratchet up or dial back the weird. This is the main mechanical dial for the cosmic horror of your game. So. Um, this can really this the omens the catastrophes things like that can really theme your adventure entirely because again uh, into the odd is a is a great system it's super light though it's it's really a framework that you can use it's and the it's stress, such a great framework and this is yeah. like this is an amazing example of how to use the framework honestly exactly just tack on something like i mean this is i couldn't think of something better and i you know again uh one of the things ga said is like why you know if it ain't broke don't fix it like loves into the odd into the odd works exactly the way they want the game to play there's no reason to come up with a new system but the system is such that it's easy to tack something on and make it feel not tacked on you know especially yeah, because absolutely. it's it's just a copy paste of the thing above it basically which and then changing it to control or will or whatever as opposed to strength so it works it's so it's such a clean addition that you just go damn like yeah big That's big it. brain moves big brain, big brain moves. moves big brain moves i'm gonna roll Massive on the throbbing here. brain moves such oh damn i just rolled a one on no. uh on my fallout table so oh, uh, shit, have you really? been yeah have you been replaced you've seen what they can do dot 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 their magics and their deceptions what would stop them from taking you maybe you aren't who you think you are how would you even know during your next moment of quiet reflection roll d6 if the total is higher than your max hp take the new result so one of the things i do really like in this um in a similar way to frontier scum um which i straight up fucking am jacking the mechanic for that there right. are there's there's no vertical leveling in this system at all like if, if there mm -hmm. is any it's horizontal and you're gonna gain and lose it all the time anyway but right. there are moments there are moments in this fallout where it specifically says like 
it roll a d6. If the total is higher than your hit protection, you take the new results. So you can actually increase your hit protection from fallout. So you, this is the definition of fail forward. Like you got fallout, you have this stress now, but you actually make yourself <laughs> slightly better afterwards too, which is a fucking fantastic way to do it. And like, oh man, have you been replaced? And that just, there's no answer to this question. You just, your HP goes up, right? If it's better. Mm -hmm. And then you're just like, they just continue forward. It's like, oh, fuck, wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> what a great like, wait, string to pull wait, later on. I mean? <laughs> um, did you have a favorite one while you were reading through this? Um, I had uh, several. Um, actually, I, I have... Um, not, not one that's saying, I, I really like the magical corruption. I'm a really big fan of like, um, you know, gr like your arm becoming like covered in demon skin or like some dumb, ridiculous shit like that. Like I, that's yeah. really my favorite, but that's kind of personal. Like, um, my, how um, I like stuff to happen. Why yeah, did you I have a favorite one? I really like doomed. I really, really do. Yeah, like, that I was mean, a really good one of too. Of course. I mean, you know, you can really get edge lordy with this, but like, um, which, you know, my bag uh you have been branded for sack and this is one you can take multiple times um you have been branded for sacrifice anointed for doom if your next critical save against damage is a failure you die horribly um if it is success you roll 3d6 plus the number of times you've taken doom um if the total is higher than your max hp take the new result so also very berserky but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Berserk was definitely, you know, at least seen or read prior to this. But I, I really enjoy, I really, really enjoy that one um, because I like, we've talked about this before. Like, one of the reasons that we really started, like, leaning into the OSR and stuff like that is I don't want to play a fucking chosen hero. I yeah. don't want the game balanced to me. I literally want to be able to just turn a corner and instant no, die. No, I want to like, suffer. Well, I, want my, I want my character to die. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is where I'm at in life. I need pain so I can feel something. You know what I mean? Like, And um, Doomed is one of the ones that really sticks out to me. Like, it literally is just like, you fail the next save, you're dead. Boom. I don't care how much HP you have. I don't care, like, what it is. Like, you know, you're just fucking dead, and I really, really enjoy that. So um, the next up is the uh, Paranatural Bestiary. Right. Um, nice yeah. to add this in here. It gives us some good examples of stuff. Yeah. Um, and you there's know, cool and quirks on all the enemies as well. You know, they give a couple yeah, yeah, yeah. bullet points. Child of the Spore, Cultist. One of the things that I like is the creating the monster template. You get a title. Yeah. You get a name. It tells you to use your stats. Then there's like four dots. Attack, description, drive, and special effect. Simple, simple monsters things. Um, and then there's a section here for general principles, like ability scores, the average stuff for an HP, you know, sturdy enemies. It's a really nice, clean little, it's like half a column for that. Totally. And then there's even a character cheat sheet. So that, as far as, you know, especially when something like the dragon game hides for some reason, the way they build creatures, why not keep it going with this? Because um, I want to buy, are... the the buy the means to have more creatures. There's uh, the spark tables, um, which is a quick way to generate ideas. So you just roll 2D, you just roll 2D20 on each one. You can get a first word and a second word. There's some examples like a twisting nexus, a fractured host, flesh spikes. That's about it. Um, there's mystery framework, which is creating your own mysteries, um, which is uh, uh, the one that they use in here is called Plague of Frogs, which we're not going to go over because uh, by the fucking book. By the book. Uh, because by the book. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, so there's touchstones, concepts, factions, and goals. The Doom Clock, I will read this one, though. Create a baseline sequence of events that will happen if the investigators don't intervene. Actions taken by the PCs change the progression of the Doom Clock. Changes to the Doom Clock should consider the goals of the factions at play. We talked about this with what? With faction play and how the world keeps moving. And this is such a fucking cool mechanic to about, be like, you uh, didn't we do We talked this. about clocks as well um, in... Yeah. Plot Empress. Yeah. Um, Wasn't it no, with the clocks about, and the tags? No, that was uh, in Patchwork. Patchwork World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But like, yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan of like, like simple tracking tools like that. Like, I think this yeah. is a great one. Well, this is a great one, too, because this is also the way to theme your adventure. If you don't yeah. intervene or if you do this instead of that, boom, the next thing happens. And if you hit all the things that you put in your track, shit hits a fan. Oh, yeah. If you guys, like, listen, I put you guys in the regular town. If you guys go be assholes and go get drunk at the bar tonight, like, you know, yeah, that, that, that's a check. That's a check. And but yeah, also, but also, what's really great about that is it's uh, you're not creating, you're not running your players through a story in like an ABC kind of way. It's more like if you don't, but here is the next step. If you don't, so like Absolutely. you can kind of prepare things um, and give them a narrative kind of as the as their choices dictate, which is the best part. Yeah. Um, and then the ample mystery. They're little like yep. kind of starting adventures, of the plague of frogs, which yep. we then will go over. Uh, get nope. the book. There's the um, one page rule summary in the back for everything in a character sheet, and that's uh, that's what we got. And it's CC. I fucking, God, I love these <laughs> I know you do, you do. So uh, that is uh, that is liminal horror. So we are at some point going to talk about uh, what we like about this. So what what what? How, I feel like vibe is going to be one of those. How do you feel about the vibes? Um, I think the vibes. I, I'm stoked on the vibes. To be quite honest, yeah. with you. I yeah, think it's yeah. good. I think it. I think it sets out to do what it does really well. I think it is punishing in a very rewarding way, an appropriate way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I really, and you know, it's an, it's a into the odd Karen hack, and I'm like, okay, so it's per- so it's perfect. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I really um, yeah. feel like we're just going to I feel like we're just going to condense some of the some of the things. I feel like vibe is a great thing to talk about for like maybe yeah. taking over like an art art ish kind of thing where yes. but also a little bit of like the rules where it's like, does the game present the vibe that it's trying to give you? And this does. It, it makes me feel like this is going to be horrific. Um, yes. And then. And, 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 yeah, I I'm I'm a very big fan of this. I I didn't like Call of Cthulhu um, kind of for the reason I brought up earlier. It's just like you, you feel like. You know, for you're giving your character mental illness and so you have to retire them and that just fucking sucks. And like, it's also this too, one, it's like, what's up? It's also too crunchy. Yeah, it's too crunchy. I mean, yeah, I just, I don't like that theme um, either. But this one's like, yeah. no, your character's gonna get so weird until they just can't function yeah. at all because they're such yeah, a yeah. fucking it's great. They have a demon yeah. arm and a door inside of them opening up to hell. And <laughs> yeah. And then system-wise, I mean, yeah. it's an ITO hack, but we talked about it. Like the one major thing that they did is what really defines the entire game. Totally. And it's done so fucking seamlessly. And, you know, by in sliding in the, the stress, um, the critical... Uh, critical stress and against the control stat it's that's exactly how the critical damage works for into the odd they literally just use that and use it for their own means um which i think is perfect like it keeps it in the same framework and the same mentality where it just slides in so perfectly it's almost it almost feels native right yeah, um, it i mean it, it literally it feels like if you hadn't ever read into the odd obviously this would feel perfect but it's so like you just said seamless it feels yeah. like it belongs i would so, even consider for this creating a table that's um like 
like almost like the critical stress where if you if a physical attack gets your hp to zero and one hit perfectly something might happen i might have a thing for that um, yeah that sounds dope and it's such a good way to like have it go full circle yes yeah. um yeah so and then and this and game then Val, fucks dude it fucks it fucks so hard you know and <laughs> And the last one, just in case we're talking about value, which I, I mean, if we almost did like vibe system value, I'd be totally fine with that. too. We should do value. Um, I mean, value still makes sense for this. So. It still makes sense. For, for, so first of all, it's the free. Zine is, it's I mean, online, you can get the whole fucking game online for free. The zine itself is relatively inexpensive. I don't know if you if we can um, go uh, $17 on Exalted. $17 for the zine. Yes. Is it the same thing for the bureau in the mall? Um, there are 12 or 13 each. Yeah, that I mean that's decent value because you you also get the PDF with the physical zine and it's a yeah. beautiful zine. Um, but I, I, one of the things that we think are really important on value besides just the physical like money that you spent is what else is out there. First of all, it's CCBY, so you can do whatever you want. There's already fantastic adventures. There's more in the works. There's a deluxe edition coming. The entire game is fucking free. Um, the the jam has like fucking seventy things in it. High value. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll drop a rating later, but I feel like we we just kind of hashed out how we're going to do zines a little bit more than we do the the main ones. Yeah, but that's we'll do that's we'll do a, a revisit rating episode where we yeah. lay into all of your favorite zines. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's uh, yeah. that's Liminal Horror. What else you got to say? I think that I think we covered it. No, I think that's it. Yeah, uh, that's hey, Liminal so Horror. Listen. And you know, thanks again to yeah. GA and Josh for coming on and talking to us. And yeah, if you're listening to this, we we definitely did split this off. So listen oh, to the okay. previous episode. You can talk we to actually the creators. Are splitting this episode. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it is. It is. I feel like. I mean, maybe I don't know. We'll see. Um, but uh, definitely listen to that if we didn't. Um, if we, di- uh, you know, it is what it is. But we. Um, uh, and definitely check out the Bloom coming very soon and the Fear Bundle coming up. We've talked about the beginning of the yes. episode. Skip back. Yeah, definitely check out the Fear Bundle. I am actually yeah. really stoked. For, I'm really, really stoked yeah. for this one. So. But we are the Weekly Scroll. You can check us out on, uh, let me go back to the opening page. You can check us out on the.weekly.scroll on Instagram. I am in the works of actually updating that. Um, you can check us out on uh, Twitter at weekly underscore scroll. And uh, go check out our uh, our YouTube. It's The Adventure Archive. The Weekly Scroll is kind of like a, a sub-project of The Adventure Archive, where we do run a lot of actual plays. Go check that out. Um, we hit over 600 subs. Um, you know, Getting to 1,000 would be awesome by the end of the year. So if you are listening, do us a favor. Please sub that. Review on all the stuff. You know, Apple Podcasts, that's how you get seen. So check all that stuff out. Um, that's it. I'm Ryan. That's Hunter. Uh, and we will see you. What? 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 I don't even know. What's the next thing we do? Little preview, and then we're out. Um, hold um, on. I have to pull up the calendar. I never have it memorized. Um, what day is today? Oh Jesus! Oh my oh, gosh! Uh, you we'll know what's next fifth. week? Oh, we, we haven't even. Yeah, we haven't even talked about this shit yet. We haven't. You want to talk no, about? No, so yeah, so we'll, okay. we'll uh, you know, on the adventure archive in two days, we're going to be doing seance. Me and Sirs of Victory are going to be building a right. death trap dungeon stream uh, live on stream. I'm actually going over like lessons on how to do it while actually doing it as well. But next week, um, and I should really reach out and get the setup a little bit more. We're doing a, <laughs> a back. We're doing we're a doing back to back. Right. We're doing a back to back. We're actually gonna have Tony Vicenda plus one exp. Um, awesome fucking guy, like so fucking amazing stoked. pillar in the community. Um, we're actually gonna have them on our show here on the Weekly Scroll. We're gonna talk about 
plus one. We're going to talk about beards. We're going to talk about down we go. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. Um, and then they're actually going to run uh, their new game coming out down we go for us, um, which should be uh, super, super fun. Very excited to do that. And just in general, to talk to Tony, like, you know, he's yeah, been a big inspiration for the weird podcast. How often we've tweeted around Tony and like, you know, I, I backed a bunch. Of, we both have backed a bunch of uh, plus one stuff. And like, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, a lot of it was early on. I, uh, you know, a lot of um, uh, imposter syndrome. Like, imposter I feel like syndrome, people, totally. I feel like people in the community are celebrities. I'd be a lot more scared around than I would around like, you know, fucking Michael Jordan or some shit like that. So it's a lot of just like, I don't deserve to talk to you. Um, and then it just got to a point where it's been so long. Yeah, I felt like it would just get weird. But finally, I stuck it up, grew a pair and said, hey, Tony, how's it going? And what's going to come so, from that is this dual episode. So yep, they're coming February on our 6th, show. Uh, yep. On our show, February 6th. We're going to be on plus one EXP. We're going to be doing a Zemo preview. I think the goal, I think we're eat, all of us are going to pick like a couple of ones that we're most excited to see. And then, um, and we'll, we'll go through that. So we'll give you more cool. details throughout the week. Um, and that's it. That's and the that's show. It. That's a preview. Woo! We'll see you all later. Bye.